welcome to the 325th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, we went back to X-Men the Hidden Years, John Burns comic, uh, looking at some like retro, missing you know, history X-Men comics before you know, giant size X-Men, before like Wolverine, Storm, Colossus, all them. It's, uh, so it's cool stuff. Uh, not sure if how long I'll be doing that. Maybe look at something else later and doing off of mine. I did a recent off of mine topic, just looking at the uh, Batman, Catwoman, uh, Gotham War. <laughs> I try saying that without a laugh. A uh, story arc. Um, but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com/slash/shemanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. It's ko-fi.com/slash/shemanfromheck. Any amount, every little bit helps. So what is this week? This week's movie feature is uh, Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. So you can hear all about that. And I, I did, uh, I listened to the audio book, like, oh, it feels like it was a while ago. It wasn't that long ago, but maybe a year ago or so. I don't know. Uh, I can talk about that. Um, I think I'm going to talk super briefly. I'm a little hesitant, but uh, yeah, super briefly on The Killer. So I ended up watching that last weekend. Uh, or the weekend, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. So you can hear about that. Also, um, I was going to watch some Scott Pilgrim. I, only, I think I'm only going to be able to do one episode for this episode. And then, you know, we can talk about some more coming episodes. That Godzilla Monarch thing, I didn't get a chance to watch that this, this weekend. So I know two of them dropped. So possibly next week, because we'll, we'll see about that. And then we got Rick and Morty, Invincible, uh, another Doom Patrol, Comics and some news. There's there's a good amount of news. Madam Web trailer. Start with that. Um, it's coming out February fourteenth, twenty twenty four. It didn't look too bad. You know, I, I really don't know what to expect from this, and I, I think that's that's kind of what makes it look better than it thought. Because it it to me it just seems like what the heck is going on? This seems this sounds nuts. And no offense, but you know some of the other the Spider Man adjacent movies that Sony has been doing. Do- it's so weird because the Spider-Man, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies have been great, but you know, Mobius, eh. Venom, uh, people seem to like the Venom. I mean, we're, we're got three of them, you know, the third one's being worked on. I'm not super crazy about them. I, I mean, I love Tom Hardy uh, and then Craven the Hunter. I'm just, I, I'm not super excited about that, but uh, with Madam Webb, so we got Dakota Johnson. I, I think she's good. I, you know, I, I know a lot of people, give her flack or whatever because of the 50 shades stuff but you know i've seen her since some other stuff and and she's fine so she's playing cassandra webb which is you know interesting choice and well you know it's okay we have uh sydney sweeney is julia carpenter i've only seen her in a, in a couple things you know i because I, I don't watch euphoria i watched i think i watched like maybe i know i watched at least one episode maybe two and i was just like oh this is this is very heavy stuff and dark but you know people seem to like that um, Celeste O'Connor is playing Maddie Franklin, which is uh, amazing. Just speaking of John Byrne, you know, I just remember John Byrne's Spider. I think it was Spider-Man Chapter One when she first came about, or maybe it was when John Byrne. I remember it was a John Byrne. I'm pretty sure it was a John Byrne comic. 
So that that's an interesting choice. And then uh, Isabella Merced is playing Anya Corazon, which I, I, I love Anya. So um, I'm looking forward to that. And I really, really hope it's it's decent. It's good. So we'll, we'll see how, how that goes. Uh, Dune Part 2, I guess. Um, the, the man... I don't know if they, they I, I hope they just like stop putting the release dates on the posters. Cause a lot of time, you know, that they, they'll put it there, but they, it keeps changing, you know, cause I, I think originally it was supposed to be like October 20th, 2023. Then it was supposed to be November this past weekend, November 17th. And it was like just moving all over the place. And I think it was like, it wasn't around Christmas. Um, the latest, it, it was uh, March 15th, but now they're moving it up, but not much. They're moving it up to uh, March 1st, 2024. And it's just like with that two weeks, I'm not sure what difference that makes. Uh, but may, or maybe I mean maybe there's something else opening on the 15th, or maybe there's nothing on on the first that are like, yeah, let's just go ahead uh, put put it there. So uh, I don't know. Um, Marvel, Fantastic Four, rumors, speculation, whatever. Supposedly, uh, Pedro Pascal is in talks to play Mr. Fantastic. So who knows how accurate that is, but you know, a lot of people have been reporting on it. Of course, it just takes one person to mention it and everyone kind of runs with it. So I, I don't know. Because then there is a, I think this is more a rumor um, area, is Mads Mikkelsen possibly playing Dr. Doom? Is, is there any, any accuracy, any truth to that? I, I really don't know. I can't tell you because I don't have any inside uh, connections with, with that. And I just think it would be crazy for anyone to talk about that and just risk your, your job. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen, I mean, here's the thing. He, he, he's been a villain in, in Marvel, this, the MCU already. You know, he was in uh, Doctor Strange. But if he's going to be playing Doctor Doom, you know, he's hopefully going to have a mask on the whole time. That's going to be a big question is, can you cast someone? It's like, hey, you, you want to be in this Marvel movie? You got to wear a mask the whole time. We're never going to see your face. No one's going to know it's you except for in flashbacks. So if they can convince him of that, Okay, and I'm I'm fine with that, you know, because we had that. What's her name, Gemma Atherton? Atherton, because she was in Captain Marvel, and she was also in uh, Eternals, right? Was that those those two movies? So you know, we we've had characters play more than one character, but uh, just you gotta be careful. Uh, another rumor: Javier Bardem is Galactus. <laughs> I don't I don't know if there's any accuracy to that. So we. So find out about that. Um, for, I think it was Forbes talked about, and, and again, whether this is rumor or not, that again, Marvel's moving away from, you know, stories involving Jonathan Major's character, you know, Kang or whoever. So what does that mean for the like, Kang dynasty and, and, and that? Because uh, Dustin Daniel Cretton, who's supposed to be directing, was it Kang dynasty? He's no longer doing that. And then he's supposed to be, he's going to be focusing on, Shang-Chi 2 and I think Wonder Man Disney Plus series. Why is he not, you know, are, are they saying, yeah, let, let's, let's not, we're not going to do King Dynasty. We're going to figure something else out. So what, why don't you, sorry, you're going to do something else. I don't know. Oh yeah. So I mentioned Tom Hardy. Uh, he posted like on Instagram. He's, he's back on set for Venom 3. That is planning to come out in November, 2024. So we'll see if, if that happens. Uh, Harley Quinn animated series. It's been renewed, so I'm surprised. Uh, I'm not real. I'm not really surprised because you know it's 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 decent quality. 
it's a little annoying, a little obnoxious at times, but I, I like how they push the envelope. Sometimes I think they're just pushing it too, mar too far just to, to push it. You know, I, I'm all for, you know, cursing and obscene situations that, you know, there, there's an extent to it. And as long as, it, you know, it, they've, they've established a tone, but I feel like sometimes they do some stuff just to, to be absurd and extreme. But, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. You know, the, the stories, I don't agree with the stuff that they do and how they're, they're killing off characters so easily, but, I, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely watch that. What If Season 2. There was a, a trailer that was released. I didn't watch the trailer actually. Um, I kind of don't want to watch the trailer because I I don't need I don't you don't need to sell me. I'm gonna watch it. But they have a date now, so it's December twenty second, twenty twenty three. And I think hopefully it's just gonna be one episode because I don't need multiple episodes all coming out at once. There was a trailer for oh my goodness, Merry Little Batman, Ugh. and um, I guess you can see why. <laughs> This Max is like, yeah, we're we're not gonna promote this, and then it's so it's gonna be airing on on Prime, which is interesting. But oh my goodness, it's like, what are they doing? So it's like, it's it's supposed to be Damien. It's like it's not even Damien. Doesn't even act anything like Damien, and uh, it just it just it it does not look appealing to me. But maybe I mean, is it for younger audiences? It's like, what the heck? It's just it's it's just so so weird. Uh, Jack Quaid, which I th I think he he's Superman on My Adventures with Superman. Uh, he's he's on the show, but he mentioned that season two is already in the can. So I guess they've recorded it all. But by in the can, I guess maybe I should have looked more into this. I don't know if by in the can he means like animation wise or recording wise. Now I'm kind of starting to wonder. It's like oh man. So hopefully it'll, it's going to happen soon. Uh, there was a trailer for Dead Boy Detectives, which I did not watch, but that's something else. You don't need to sell me on that. I'm so um, excited for that. I, I can't wait. But um, So you can watch the trailer and see how, how that, that goes. <laughs> uh, Taika Waititi's Star Wars. Is it happening? Is it not happening? Is it happening? Is it, it seems like it keeps going. I can't keep track of all, all this stuff. So I'm pretty sure they said that Kevin Feige's Star Wars is not happening. The, the guy's too busy. How is he going to do it? I don't, I don't know. But apparently Taika Waititi's is possible. It's still possible. Um, it's still in development. He, there's no script yet. So I don't know if... I don't know if it's like guaranteed or if he has to write the script and then they're going to be like, uh, yeah, let's do that. Or no, nah. I mean, I don't know. Do, do they have like the rough maybe? Cause you know, the, the whole thing is like rebel moon. That was supposed to be a pitch that's that Zack Snyder gave the Lucasfilm and they're like, no, no, no thanks. Um, so maybe, maybe he's already Taika Waititi's already given the pitch. They know the idea, the premise, and then maybe he's just writing the actual script, the boom, boom, boom scene, but you know, all, all that stuff. I don't know, but he, it sounds like they're giving him some time. Cause he's, he says he has some other projects that he's working on. I think he has like three or four scripts that he's doing and he wants to take his time on it. Cause he, you know, he wants, he wants to do it right. He doesn't want to rush it, which is good. Cause you know, hopefully Lucasfilm's like, Oh, we, you know, we need it by next week. And then, you know, you're just going to get something forced. So as long as they're not in a rush and, you know, he's given time to, you know, really work, work and focus on it, you know, that, that could be good. Um, Amazon is uh, basically they're, they're killing Comixology. So they, they bought Comixology a while ago. They're, and now by killing it, they're, they're folding it into the Kindle app, which it kind of sort of has already. 
um, man, Kindle's just or the Comicsology's. It's it's so unfortunate because it was such a cool app, and it's it's just it's been like so hard to use. And then then you know once you had it's like there was an app to view stuff, but you couldn't buy anything on that app. You had to buy it else. It's just it, I was so confused. I'm like, how the heck am I supposed to get anything on this this app? Uh, but yeah, so you can get stuff on through Amazon. It's just yeah yeah, but. Because earlier, I think this year, like seventy-five percent of the comicsology staff were laid off. So it's just it it sucks. It's it's a bummer. It's unfortunate, but man, there's just n- no stability anywhere. I mean, that's just how it goes, I guess. So I don't know. Um, some a little comic news. Here's gonna be a Joker Year One story. It gets starting Batman Forty Two. So it's gonna be written by Chip Zdarsky and uh, Giuseppe Camaculi and a bunch of other people. You know, I think other people are gonna be working on the art. Uh, I don't. I don't want a Joker year one. I don't need a Joker year one. So hopefully it'll be good. And I just you know I loved three Jokers, the Jeff Johns, um, Jason Fabic uh, series, and I just don't don't I don't don't mess with Joker. You know, Killing Joke was bad enough. I mean, it was good enough and bad. Enough. I mean, I, I feel like that said too much. And but that's what I mean by bad enough. It's like we don't need Joker's origin and. I don't want to know his real name, Arthur Fleck or whatever, you know, for the movie. No, uh-uh. We should never know his name. You know, Batman could know it. Maybe he's figured it out, but so I don't know. Um, there's also going to be a new Spider-Punk series coming out in 2024. Uh, we'll see about that. I saw some artist tweet. I don't know if it was um, who it was, but there's a picture of um, Spider-Punk and this artist like, no comic artist wants to draw this for like, you know, 20 pages, you know, month after month. And it was like super crazy detailed. So yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. Uh, Cause at the last Spider-Punk comic, I wasn't super crazy about it. Hopefully this will be back on track. Cause you know, he was so cool in the movie. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I really, really don't know. And then the last bit of news, this is this is kind of a bummer. I, I don't want to talk about the whole thing, but apparently Robert Kirk... So Steven Yoon is going to be in the Thunderbolts movie. You know, he's signed on. He's playing some mystery character. You know, it's a big secret. We don't know who it is. But apparently Robert Kirkman spoiled it. You know, he, I think he was doing like some podcast or some, some video or something like that. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, because Stephen Yoon's voicing Invincible. He's like, yeah, he called me up about his fitting and this and that. And, and he, he's playing blank, 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 or the, the blank E something. And he's like, oh, no, it's, it's not spoilers or anything. He's like, I don't I, actually I don't know if it is. And if it is, I don't care. I don't work for Marvel, which is like such this is a disappointing part. It seems like such a jerky move. Because, yeah, Kirkman doesn't work for Marvel. He's not going to get in trouble. But uh, Stephen Ewan does work for Marvel. And he's gonna, he could get in trouble for telling Robert Kirkman. And it just, it just really bothers me. Because you know, I've I, I mentioned before where people have told me stuff. It's like you don't talk about it. You, don't just, you can't speak for others. And the whole thing is, you know, they, they could have had something planned, like, you know, make me like a comic con or this or that, where they're going to reveal, you know, who the character is. And he just casually mentions it on some, I don't even remember what it was that he mentioned it on. And it's just, it's, it just, it just bothers me. So, yeah. And so I'm not going to spoil who it is. I don't, 
think it's, I don't know how, if it's a good choice casting. It's a character I'm not super crazy about. Let's just put that way. But so that's why I, um, I, I don't, I'm not overly concerned if Stephen Yoon doesn't look, quote unquote, look the part. Because, you know, we're in that day and age. Like, should they look how they look in the comics? And, and you know, again, old school is like, yeah, they should. But it, it should also be about who's the best actor and, and all that. So we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, so I, I'm sure you could find it if you look online, if you haven't already heard. But uh, it's hard for me to say. I, I like Stephen Yoon. Uh, you know, he was he was great in Walking Dead, and I you know I did I so lucky I, I kind of lucked into an opportunity to interview him, like for the first during the first season of Walking Dead. Super nice guy. I mean, nicest guy and everything. And you know, yeah. So I, I'm excited for him to be in the Marvel universe. I'm just not super excited about this character, but you know, who knows? Maybe it will be cool. Uh, it could be. It's definitely going to be interesting if if it's true, which I'm assuming it is. But we'll see. Um, we'll see what else is going to happen because that is going to be news for the week. All right, with comic books, um, this I think I had a better week last week than this week. I didn't get a chance to read everything. I'm trying to figure out what happened. I, I was just still trying to watch, just watch, watch too much stuff. I, I don't know. Just we'll see. Um, the big game number five came out at Image. Uh, this was this is like the final issue of the big Mark Miller um, shared universe stuff, and it was just crazy because uh, you, you know we have basically every single Mark Miller character like indie character you know chrononauts uh hit girl kick-ass um huck starlight uh just like everything that the vampire was it vampire club no what is it? i forget what that's called um just just everything is is here and it's like everyone's getting obliterated i'm just like dude do you not like these characters aren't these like your babies you created them and you're just wiping them all out i i'm not going to say anything about that because you can read it but it, it was it was definitely it was it was a cool cool story it was, it was really cool to see some of the characters are just like just here's an appearance like, especially at the end there's like a couple characters who didn't appear in the story and then here's this character here's this character so it's like okay cool they're there they're in this universe so it was, it was pretty nuts uh, it was very ambitious and uh um i'm i'm wondering what happens after this because uh there was one character who kind of got an upgrade who you know we haven't really seen lately, and uh, they're going to be joining that. Uh, what was that? Now I'm forgetting. It's not. They're not diplomats. The the one where there's a, someone from every country that gets like powers. Oh, I'm totally blanking on that now. But uh, hopefully we'll see more of this character combined with that because that, that could be interesting. The call number four came out, <laughs> and which is, yeah, I didn't read that. I, I'm digging that. You know, it's Kelly Thompson's, of course. I, I, I love it. I don't have it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, no, I do have it. I haven't read it. So um, it, it was like one of the first comics I was going to read, and then I ended up not reading about it, so I, I feel bad. The Deviant, this is a James Tynan comic. Uh, it's, <laughs> again, James, if you ever had a chance to talk to James at a comic convention, he is one of the nicest, sweetest guy. I love James. He's, he's such a kind, nice person, but he writes some super dark stuff. Like, oh my gosh. And uh, this, is, this is kind of disturbing in a way. I don't even know, I don't even know how, to, how to bill it, but it, it takes place over two times and uh, two time periods. And 
you know, there's a, there's definitely some death and like there's a serial killer or some, something out there. And uh, it's pretty freaky. You know, it's kind of dressed like a Santa Claus, but like with a mask under the, the beard and hat. And it's just, oh, yeah. So it's just definitely something. Fish Files, number three. This is a Jeff Lemire book where uh, this guy turns, <laughs> basically this, this robber dude, convenience store robber, turns into this giant, man-sized bug and uh it's he yeah it's um it's it's just it's weird uh, but it's, it's i'm so drawn to this book for some reason uh, because it's good you know not for some reason uh geiger ground zero number one so this is jeff john's uh, uh gary frank right and um this is i i really i'm really fascinated with with the story it's like just seeing this whole uh world and you know the character and the history and seeing how everything evolved it, for a while when we saw like that oh, i forgot the dude's name the like other like the, the king dude the monarch or whatever his name was i wasn't super about that super crazy about that character it kind of makes sense in it you know and it was a little over the top which the character is supposed to be in on all that but it, we definitely have a, a cool world you know this post-apocalyptic world set up and everything and um, I, I can't wait to see more Geiger and, and, you know, it'd be awesome to get like a Geiger TV show or something like that. So I hope, you know, we, we see more of this because I'm really curious to see that played out. Um, G.I. Joe. Uh, so I believe, I think there was a G.I. Joe Real American Hero number one and a G.I. Joe Real American Hero number 301. So according to, I'm, I'm looking at an image press release email. Um, I only read 301, so I don't think those are the same thing. So 301 is written by Larry Hama. I'm assuming there's going to be a regular G.I. Joe comic tied into, like, this Transformer, Skybound, you know, new continuity that they've created. And then, but see, they're both called Real American Hero. Because Real American Hero has always been the Larry Hama G.I. Joe, like, that started off at Marvel and then, you know, spent a bunch of time at Image, or not Image, at IDW. Now... I'm so thankful. Thanks. So it, it's awesome. So Skybound has the, the licensing rights. You know, it, the, the lights, the rights ran out or lapsed or what or they ended at IDW. So I'm so thankful and grateful, even though it's, it hasn't been like, it's not like my favorite comic or anything like that, but just for the nostalgia and the history, I'm so glad that now that Skybound has the rights that they're still working with Larry Hama. That they're like, yes, if you're willing, you know, you can keep telling your stories and just keeping this continuity going. So this first issue is, a, you know, because like what happened right before this with the Cobra Island and the, the casinos and all, I wasn't super crazy about that. And like the, the, the like bots, the robots or the droid, whatever things. So this is kind of picking up from there. And, uh, you know, we see like Serpenter and Dr. Mindbender doing some stuff and, uh, it was it was interesting. Uh, I had to read it kind of quickly, so I I didn't get to like fully digest like every single panel, but it's um uh, it 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 hopefully it's gonna be good. I mean it's it's but the nice thing is it's the same writer you know for for however many decades you know three hundred issues so that that's I think that that's really cool. Um, then what else do we have? Uh, Lover Everlasting Volume Two Trade Paper came up. I, sh I sh need to get caught up on, on that. And then um, I think that was all I read at Image. 
at Marvel Comics. So there's a, unfortunately, there's a bunch I haven't read here. So um, Alpha Flight, did I read this? No, I feel like I just read Alpha Flight. So yeah, I haven't read issue four. Um, yeah, because the last one was about revealing who Nemesis is. Oh man, so now I want us to stop and read this now. I've, I've never been like the biggest, hugest Alpha Flight fan, but I just I I do have a fondness for them. Just going back, you know, whatever over all the years. So I'm really curious to see how how this is going to play out. I don't like the whole st stupid Orcus. You know, all mutants are banned and everything like that. So Alpha Flight is kind of posing as like a mutant hunting team because they're not necessarily mutants. So they're, they're kind of trying to be like double agents and try to help any mutants they come across, which it's getting harder and harder to, to play both sides like that. So that'll be interesting. Um, we have Astonishing Iceman issue four, which I don't read that. Um, Blade came out, Black Panther. Um, Cap Wolf number two. Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos. Eh, yeah, it's, it's okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I do like the concept of Cap Wolf for, again, for nostalgia reasons. The story is fine. Is it a story I personally need? No, it's not, but it's hard for me to not want to look at it, but uh, yeah, it, it's, yeah, I, I, I don't know how you feel about it. I, like if, if suddenly it was canceled and I never saw it, I'd be like, okay, but I'm going to keep reading it when it comes out. Um, it's it's just it's so weird and bizarre, but that's that's how it goes, I guess. Wait, there's a new Carnage book. <laughs> I, have I mentioned I don't like Carnage? <laughs> oh my goodness, Children of the Vault. I didn't read this one, and I, I again I, I feel so bad when I I didn't read this. I didn't read this. Uh, hopefully this next week. Well, I don't even know. I can't even speak how this next week's going to be. Uh, uh, but anyways, Children of the Vault. I just, I don't like the Children of the Vault, so it makes it hard. And I'm not super crazy about Bishop. I like Cable. Dark X-Men. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't read this. And Chasm's on the friggin' front cover. King Chasm. Uh, Daredevil number three came out. This is good. I, I'm, I'm digging this. So it's Saladin Ahmed. I, and I, I like this, but it kind of makes me a little... A little anxious. This is a whole, this, but the, it's supposed to be like that, you know. Just a, the stuff that, uh, you know. So Matt Murdock, he he died, but somehow he came back, and he was like this priest. He and you know they had they're kind of like a, a children's shelter. You know they they have some kids there, so you know they're trying to keep the peace with the you know child protective services, whatever. And uh, there's been since online groups have been kind of talking smack about them. About the, the church and, and that and then they did some or matt did some research and it's like a good friend of his i don't know if i should spoil it at this point a good friend of his who's been a, a daredevil supporter for years is supposedly involved with this it's like that makes no sense and when we see this uh character here it's like is there some sort of mind control going on because they're acting kind of like unhinged it's like what what is going on here there was Deadpool Seven Slaughters. I'm like, what the heck is this? And I look at this cover. Uh, I like, wait, who who's even involved with this? There's like no credits, no 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 one lists on there. But then it turns out uh, there's a bunch of different stories. How many? Seven. <laughs> we have a story by Colin Bunn. I'm not going to read through all this. But there's a Rob Liefeld, uh, and then there's a um, Gail Simone story. Um, the Rob Liefeld is supposed to be Lady Anime. 
I, I saw someone posting about, about that. So I, I, I don't know. Fantastic Four. Oh, look at that cover. I, I just edit. I just swore. It's the friggin' dinosaur Marvel. No, I don't want dino devil dinosaur. I can tolerate, but when you have a whole universe of all the characters are dinosaurs, this is it's, and it's just like the the JL ape comic no no i don't want that it's just like the avengers mechon or whatever there that was i don't want that i do not want dinosaur versions of marvel character <laughs> it's it's too it's ridiculous is no if you're going to do a, a line of toys for little kids to sell because kids love dinosaurs and they love superheroes whatever Okay, I can kind of tolerate that if if it's gonna make little kids happy. <laughs> I don't want, and this isn't a regular regular Fantastic Four comic. It's not even some weird weird random miniseries that to, to sell to whoever. I don't want this in my regular Fantastic Four book. What is going on, Ryan North? But it's, so I couldn't even read this. I was like, I read. I'm like, no, <laughs> uh -uh. I was flipping through. And I was like, oh wait, there's a dinosaur version of the thing because I don't think we saw him in the other issues. I was like, okay, that's interesting. No, I'm not going to read this. I can't. I refuse. I did read the last page, and which that ticks me off because so the Baxter Building's been gone. It got sent a, a year into the future. That year is coming up next month. So we're 14 issues is a year. No, and I'm almost swearing again. You cannot, you can't do that. You can't put that firm of a time. You can't, you can't say a year for us is the same as a year in the comics. Because then, how old are they if they came out in 1963 or whatever? Older than my grandma. God rest her soul, rest in peace or whatever. Uh, wait, is there a new Ghost Rider? I thought I heard something about that. I'm looking on a cover. I, I don't know who this is. I don't read Ghost Rider anymore. Maybe, should I? I, I don't know. Uh, Mortal Thor, I'm not reading. Jean Grey, see, I don't know what happened. Uh, this is issue four. I'm not sure if this is the last issue or not. Um, I've been I've been like, what the heck is going on, Jean Grey? I love Jean Grey. Yeah, we'll, we'll have that. <laughs> Red Goblin. <laughs> no. Um, Spine Tingling Spider-Man. Did anyone read the first issue? Because I, I didn't read this. There's another Dark Troids. Did I read anything? What the heck did I do with my time? Uh, then there's a... Superior Spider-Man. I did read that, and uh, uh, it's it's fine. It's good. It's it's. You'll probably like it better than I did. I'm not. I'm not super crazy. I was never super crazy about Superior Spider-Man. I mean, it was it was very well done, but the whole idea of of Doc Ock and Spider-Man's body it just seems so wrong and everything. And he's not there, but part of it, you know, we we saw in that that one shot or whatever issue where he kind of made like uh, he made it basically a big enemy and doc ock has lost his like memories of that time like all his time as superior spider-man and then he accidentally unleashed this villain this whatever network sorry i guess you can say they're a villain the, he unleashed this person that he had locked up so they're out to get spider-man and they think peter parker is a superior spider-man because they don't know what's going on they've been locked up for all this time and um, but we get we have some like Spider Boy in here too, and there's a I think it's a backup story where 
we see some interesting interactions with Spider-Boy and Superior Spider-Man, which is a little hard to, to uh, it's not hard to read, but it's kind of like, oh man, no, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, then there's Uncanny Avengers. Um, I, so I'm, I'm digging this. I, I like the idea of mixing Avengers and, and mutants and X-Men. We do find out who's been posing as Captain Krakoa. Oh, it is a character I absolutely do not care for, which is a it's it's a fine choice, I guess, because you know you're not supposed to like these characters. And it's Jerry Duggan writing, which I love his writing, and I know he he's probably has something good planned, but I just I was hoping we would never see this character again, so I I don't want to spoil it now. Um, but yeah, so so I guess it's it's a good move, but oh, yeah, I just don't care for it. Uh, at DC Comics, I read most. There, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot. Uh, there's Wildcat. I get it out of the way. Wildcats number twelve. I did not read that. I'm enjoying that, but I I didn't get around to it. Um, Danger Street issue eleven. This feels like this is, is this an ongoing series? It feels like it's going forever. It's only issue eleven. Uh, I'm I'm so intrigued with this. I don't love it, but I'm just like. I can't stop reading it because I'm just like, what, what, what is going on? Like, where is this going? Uh, we had Outsiders number one, and uh, I don't know how I feel about this. So we have Batwoman, which I, I, it's great to see her, and it's like, you know, what happened to her during Gotham War? You know, she was, I think, in the beginning, and she just like took off. She's like, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. And uh, we have a uh, Luke Fox. What the one thing? Okay, here's my 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 one gripe with this. Uh, Luke goes up to Kate and he's like trying to recruit her because uh, like Lucius wants to put this team together and you know Luke's like you know Batman it's not no ties to Batman you know we can do our own thing blah 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 and everything like that but he says to Kate he's like you and I were both trained by the you know the brilliant tactician blah blah, blah something like that and I'm like who who are you talking about Luke um you're I I do you know, I I hope I I'm assuming you're not talking about Batman. Because Batman, I don't think Batman trained either one of them. Because, you know, Kate, her training was th- basically through her father. And, you know, being in, a, was she in the army? I, she never, she became Batwoman. She never got, like, she didn't ask Batman for permission. She didn't train with him. She just, she did her own thing, you know. And, and she didn't need his blessing or his, his training. And Luke, he just kind of became Bat, Batwing. Was that his name? So, I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not really sure about that. And we, we had this one other character, the drummer, who, and she basically just, like, twirls a, a drumstick, and uh, she's got some ability, and it's the first issue, so we'll see. I mean, I, I love, I, I guess I can say I love Batwoman. I mean, I mean I, there's something, I'm drawn to Batwoman, I just to design the character, and uh, I, I it's it's interesting. It looks like you don't have to wear a wig either. So she's down to shorter hair, and it, it works on her. You know, I, I do like Batwoman with longer hair, but the whole idea is she wears a wig. It's an interesting choice, and I think it you know it had its has its um, there's there's some benefits to for it as part of the disguise, but I'm sure it can get in the way and all that. Uh, World's finest Teen Titans. This is Mark Wade. You know, it's a flashback story. So I, I like the what Mark Wade's been doing, like in World's Finest and in this book. Uh, but it, it's yeah, there's just a lot of tension and and you know, with this is we're we're seeing a time period where Dick Grayson's hanging out with the Titans, and you know they all know each other's identity, but Batman's being controlling. He's like, you can't tell him, you can't tell him, and blah, all this stuff like that. 
and they're sort of just it's really tough because then the other other members are kind of getting mad they kind of get their butts kicked through some things and there's just they make a lot of mistakes and there's a lot of tension so it's like wait what's going to happen here batman and robin number three um i just i there's something about this this series that's just i it's not landing right with me and i believe it's in regular continuity because i think in the first issue they said something about gotham war i think it was the first issue but it it almost feels like it's not in continuity and i'm i'm trying to figure it out because even like batman you know he's what we just saw in one something last week where he's kind of created like a new persona you know so he can live somewhere else and not be bothered by the rest of the bat family so they don't just show up at his brownstone or whatever and he's just like hanging out with Damien. And one of the things is like, okay, Damien, but you have to go to school. And Damien's, it, so here's a guy who was living on his, or here's a kid, he's living on his own, involved in this like death tournament, got killed and brought back, resurrected, and just doing all this stuff, traveling all over the world, doing whatever, and he's supposed to go to high school. And, and it, you know, he's not happy about it, but it's just like, come on. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed, and then he's driving around. He's got his own like vehicle, his own Robin mobile. It's like I thought Batman Bruce doesn't have a whole lot of money. He doesn't have as much money as he used to. And where you know where Damien get? Does he have his own allowance? Is he getting money from Talia? Uh, Detective Comics ten seventy seven came out. I'm still not reading that. Uh, Superman Lost. Is anyone else reading that? Because uh, I'm not. Um, I'm so curious, and I, I I do need to go back and get caught up, but. Yeah, I was I wasn't reading it. Uh, Green Lantern issue five. I like this, but I don't love it. And there's just something about it that, again, that just kind of feels weird to me. But um, I'm trying to get through it. I'm not super crazy about Sinestro, but we're seeing you know Sinestro is kind of stranded on Earth, and he's he's doing some despicable things because that's what he does. And it's just yeah, um, it's it, but the, the whole. I don't even know how I feel about the whole Green Lantern Corps being, you know, the Guardians aren't even involved with them and they're part of the United Nation of Planets, which I don't care for that. So it's just weird. Um, but we'll see where what hell's going to do. Sandman, Wesley Dodd's The Sandman. So I didn't read, I, I know I didn't talk about the first issue because I just read it <laughs> to this last, last week. And so I read issue one and two. So it's written, uh, I totally, I must have missed that Robert Venditti is, you know, writing this because I, I love, he's, an, uh, here's someone else. Robert Venditti is super, super nice guy, super cool guy. I, and so I always, I'm always happy when I see a book written by him because I'm happy to support him. And, you know, I, I think he's, again, just really nice and, and he's very talented. Who's doing the art? Riley Rosmo. What was the last book that he did that I talked about? Is either, was he doing Harley? He's definitely doing the Robin book. I didn't like those. His art here, it is. I, I think it's so good for this this book. And it, it's weird because I feel like sometimes it, it I I can't really figure it out. And and his style is his style, you know. And I feel like sometimes it's not that his style is exaggerated or anything like that, but like sometimes. I mean, sometimes like like Tim Drake's head shape looked it almost looked like 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 a lima bean or something. It was just kind of weird. But with with uh, the Sa Sandman with Wesley Dodd, I just really like how everything looks. And it, you know, it's taking place in the the nineteen thirty eight forties. I don't know. Uh, I should know when it, what the year is taking place. But it's just it. I'm really digging it. And I, I'm and I you know I wasn't super 
invested in, in the character. But I remember when Sandman Mystery character, um, Sandman Mystery Theater came out, the Vertigo comic, and I, you know, I didn't know anything about this character. You know, I didn't had no idea it was like a Golden Age character. But I saw this dude in a trench coat and a, and a gas mask. I was like, wow, there's something about a gas mask that um, I just find interesting because it's like menacing. It's it's weird, and I, I just I enjoyed those comics. And and now this I I, I really like this so I, I recommend you know get the first couple issues because it's it's definitely interesting. Uh, Speed Force number one, uh, yeah, I I did not like this. I, I I feel so bad saying that. I almost feel like maybe I just shouldn't mention it if I didn't like it. But I want to be honest, I didn't really care for it. There's like there's one one. I mean, the art was fine, but there's one panel one where you see Connor, um, Superboy, his his face, his jaw was just it just it kind of threw me out of the comic, and I, I stopped. I was like, like what what? Well, better than I can do. I mean, I you know I'm not always I don't like critiquing art because you know I I can't draw for to save my life. I can never draw consistently. I can never do a, a comic. You know, I couldn't even do one page. You know, panels and trying to do that. But just, I don't know, just the, the whole idea of the story, you know, because we have Wallace and we have, uh, what's her name? I keep forgetting her name, the, the Flash from China. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I'll probably try to read the second issue when it comes out, but I wasn't super crazy about this. Um, but what I am super crazy about is all the many many shows we have left to talk about because uh that is going to be comics for the week there's so much to talk about this week all right then with doom patrol season four episode 10 doom patrol so uh we have just what like three more episodes left counting this one so it starts off we get an overhead shot of streets there's a dude running the runs the van um closed caption lists him as butt hunter butt hunter um, a zombie butt is headed his way and he's like sorry little guy new rules coming from the bureau they want me to shoot to kill and blows it to pieces he's like last one i always get my butt and he, so he's supposed to be like kind of like this you know tough guy whatever and uh, like you know, surviving a apocalypse type of thing puts a cigarette in his mouth and then the close caption says teddy teddy says indeed you do I could use a man of your skills. So this other butt walks his way. He's like, what the fudge is this? You're supposed to be extinct. You have no idea what we're capable of. Scrubbing our names from the Bureau's roster was nothing. And and the butt hunter's like, our names? And then several butts start jumping around him. And he's like, now then, I need you to find someone. And he's like, okay. Then it cuts to, uh, so is that really happening? Is that the future? We're not really clear. So then at Star Labs, Vic, he's like looking at like operating table. His dad walks in. He's like, it's 3 a.m. It's like, why did you want to meet here? And Vic's like, remember my friend Derek? He's like, I went to see him not too long ago. Fell back in our old ways. And his dad's like, oh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you said uh, you wanted to find your bliss. Vic's like, I did what I thought I wanted, but it led me right back here. Derek thinks I should be cyborg again. He's like, do you want me to be cyborg? His dad, Silas, is like, I made that decision for you once before, and look where it got us. But I have to admit, I was a little relieved when you let that part of your life go. I thought my boy wouldn't be risking his life every day, and yet, and Vic's like, and yet, and Silas's like, well, 
come on, man. He's like, you didn't get a job, pick up a new hobby, start a business. You didn't even come home. You kept doing the hero thing, risking your life anyways, just without the tech. He's like, why? And he, Vic's like, sighs. He's like, I don't know. He's like, Victor, a man always knows why he moves the way he does. You can lie to me all you want. You start lying to yourself, that's when you're in trouble. So Vic's like, I wanted to help people. I, th I think I still do. And he pulls out a piece of paper. He's like, I want to show you something. And then at the, the mansion, someone's like knocking on a door, knocking on a, on a door. Rouge answers. And, and then she, she curses because she, she sees it's, it's Isabel. She tries closing the door. But Isabel's like holding the door open. And she's got like her foot in, in, the, in the door frame and everything. She lets herself in. And Rouge gets like in a fighting like stance. But, you know, um, Isabel has her back to her. She's like, I knew it wasn't going to be easy for you to back off. She's like, so if it's revenge you, you want, you're going to have to go through all of them. And she like points in the, in the other direction. And she's like, please don't kill me. I don't want to die. Isabel like, like turns and she starts laughing. She's like, oh, you are too funny. I love that about you. No, I'm not here to kill you guys. I'm here to invite you to my new one-woman theatrical event. And then Rouge is like, I'm sorry, come again. What? She's like, I've done a lot of soul searching in the past eight hours after you and your friends completely destroyed my holiday utopia. And I realized it wasn't super cool to force all humanity to love me. I'm not Disney. <laughs> if I want people's respect, then I need to do the work. So drum roll, please. Ta-da! She holds up a little poster for ruffled feathers and it has her picture on it. So it's like a little uh, theater, like flyer poster thing. It'll be at the Cleverton Playhouse. And, and she's like, it's like, and we are me or I open tight. It'd mean the world to me if you and your weird friends could come. You really keep me grounded. And Rouge is like, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll check with them. And she's like, great. See you tonight. Then we see Larry's in the garden area. He's in front of the greenhouse. He's like digging this big hole. Mr. 104, Rama, whatever his name is. He, uh, he's like, why are you digging a hole? And Larry's like, it's not a hole. Oh, cause he like, he's like frustrated cause his arm started bleeding before and, and he's like trying to bandage it, whatever. And he's like, keeps digging. So his, his, you know, his temper is really short. He finally says, he's like, my skin is burning. My body is breaking down. And, and then he's like, happy. He's like, we can't all go on vacation like you. So Mr. 104, he's like, it's not a vacation. I need to see where I'm from, where I'm supposed to be from before I, the, the elements in my body, they're unstable. More so by the day. It's like, once I see Tamil Nadu, I'm going to rent a boat, sail deep into the Bay of Bengal and go for one last swim. Then while I still have control over my abilities, turn myself into a block of lead. And Larry like stops digging, looks at him, and he's like, that will be that. And, and then he's like, and you're calling me dark? He's like, well, at least it's more poetic than digging your own grave in front of some rotting greenhouse. You could come with me. And Larry's like, I can't. I have to do this for Keeg. I know we can survive inside these orchids. At, at, at least, you know, we'll be together. And he's like, doesn't really seem fair to Keeg. And Larry's like, are you fudging kidding me? The whole reason he and I are in this mess is because I gave up my longevity chasing after your stupid dream. One of four is like, I know, and I'm so sorry to both of you. I know we said we'd try to find another way, but I don't know what else to do to you. And Larry's, he says something, and he's like, you know, for a second there, I really thought we might find our way through this. And he's like, fudge you for giving me hope. And he like walks away. So you know, we see Rita's uh, chopping vegetables, and, and she's in, in the kitchen. Her hands are starting to hurt from her whole age. So then she like lets her lower portion, like her legs and everything, just kind of like blob out, and, and she kind of feels some relief letting go. Rouge walks in, she's like, ooh. And she's like, what, what are you doing? 
And Rita's like, I'm just taking a breather. Releasing my form helps with my arthritis. No joints, no joint pain. But there's still work to be done. So then she forms up, and Rue says she's, that she just had a visit by none other than Isabel Feathers. And she's like, oh, how is she? And she's like, this isn't some bloody old schoolmate that just you just ran into at the market. This is Immortus. She's a supervillain. And Rita's like, is she, though? Because, you know, she, you know, she's talking about some stuff, and she's still, like, cooking, and you know, she's trying to open a can of something, and her hands are hurting, and Rue tries to do it, but, you know, she insists on, on doing it herself. And then she just starts talking about how he never sat for a family dinner, and Rue's just like, well, you know, they have more pressing matters to worry about than chicken parmigiana. And Rita's like, oh, nonsense. It's like, best spend what little time we have left together. And, you know, moments of crisis, families are supposed to come together. They're supposed to rally around each other. Oh, we see Jane in her bedroom. She's like looking in a little mirror, like the wrinkles on her face and everything. Then she stares at a pile of you know puzzle pieces on the floor, and she's thinking back to her, like dancing with Casey during the Immortimus day. She picks up two pieces and they like fit together. Then she picks up some other pieces and she's like able to easily start putting them together. And you see there's some tears of joy maybe on her face. So maybe Casey separating them helped, uh, you know, made it easier. Then she gets a. Uh, flashes of like the end uh, and she ends up in the underground she sees like you know she sees Kay as a little girl there's puzzle pieces and then there's like you know piles of puzzle pieces underground next to a big train car and she's like hello it's like hammerhead she's like where is everyone and there's like no one there and she's finding like pieces of clothing belonging to the other personalities she gets more flashes of Kay as a child and some dude i think it was her father i don't think it was her stepfather like taking her to do, do, do like uh, gross into like uh, you know abuser abuser and then you know you hear other voices like then you even hear like cliffa calling her and then you know she like, screams with everything going on and she's back in her bedroom and cliff's like like jane he's like standing right there he's like are you all right and she's like what the fuck did you do he's like nothing you're just sitting here tearing that thing apart and he's like anyways you want to go down to florida to see my daughter he's like i finally got my stud wagon together and i'm driving down today and she's like, does it look like I want to drive to Florida to see your daughter? She's like, fudge off. He's like, okay, do you want to drive to Florida to see my daughter and blow up some toilets with M80s? And she's like, just, she's like, think about it. He's like, I got a guy. And then an alarm goes off. So team meeting. Rouge says that after several attempts to pull them out of their respective butts, she took a closer look at Wally Sage's files you know, that she and, and Bendy, she calls Rita, that they stole from the ant farm. So she found something. She shows a shows a pic, and they're all kind of grossed out, like some thing. So it turns out it's a, a photo of Isabel's world of what appearance a, a couple days back. She's like, and I noticed this on her lower neck. So it looks like some sort of gross. You know, it's like it almost looks like like a chicken nugget or something like. But it's it's supposed to be like a skin growth. So Larry's, Larry's like, she should really get that checked out. Then Rouge shows another picture, like some black thing, and Cliff's like, what is that? A fossilized turd? And she's like, no, this was a necklace worn by one Dr. Niles Calder. And Larry, or Cliff's like, chief wore a little turd around his neck. And then she's like, take a closer look and see if there's any similarities. So there's a picture like side by side of the, the, the black turd and Isabel, the growth. When Isabel fell into the time stream and Cliff's like, because of you? And she's like, yes, Cliff. When she fell, she was trapped in there for a millennia. It did something to her. The more time passed, the more her power grew, and it seemed to manifest on her body. This is what makes her immortus. This is the source of her powers. According to Wally's research, it landed in the past, which eventually found its way into the hands of your fearless leader. 
This is the key to your longevity. This is what was inside of all of you. And they're like, Ugh. and then they're like, until Wally stole it back and used it to raise her from the time stream. So he's like, so the key to her powers in that skin tag. And she's like, uh, you could say that. Yes. So I think if we were to chop it off and they're like, and she's like, then we would have a chance of stopping you all aging any further. This is our shot. And she shows them like the, the one woman show flyer. She says they should go. And Klaus like, nope, nope, not going to happen. It's like, we're all about to drop dead. And you want us to go up against some all-powerful theater major who can control time? And she's like, well, yes, this is, there is some risk involved. And Klaus like, some risk? This chick could blink us into a reality where we're tortured around the clock by flesh-eating beanie babies. It's like, nope, uh-uh, I'm not going down like that. I want to die in peace with my daughter and my grandson. And that's what I'm going to do. And she's like, I, I really don't understand. I thought you all wanted. He's like, I told you what I want. I'm not going to spend what little time I have left chasing after some magical fudging mole. So just do what you do best and worry about yourself. And he's like, Jane, let's ride. Because Jane didn't want to come down. And Rita's like, will you be back for, in time for dinner? And he's like, nope. So then Rouge tries to see if Larry's on board. And he's like, why do you even care what happens to any of us? And he's like, aren't you the one that abandoned us and left us for dead in the future? And she's like, well, that, that was just one possible future. I won't abandon all of you. He's like, I want to help. And Larry's like, I can't risk dying until I find a better solution for Keeg, so count me out. And she's like, I don't believe it. Rita slowly gets up and says, a good leader knows when there's no mission to lead. We've all suffered more indignity and hardships than any one person deserves. And as much as I hate to say it, so has Isabel. Our long lives came at her expense. So let's leave the poor girl be and go out with a bit of class. So Vic is showing his dad some designs, like Cyborg. He said it's basically the same core technology, but he and Derek made a few modifications. And his dad's like, are you sure this is what you want? I'm, I'm not going to pressure you. And Vic's like, it's not that. He's like, if I'm going to do this, I just need to know it, it's not going to be like last time. You know, it's not going to be like before. It's like last time I lost myself. Mom was gone. I cut Derek and, the, you know, I cut off Derek and the guys. You and me couldn't even catch our breath to stop fighting. And he's like, Cyborg, he was just a shell of a man. And, his, and Silas like, for the record, we started fighting when I could not pull you away from that Xbox. Not for sleep, church, school. And Vic's like, how dare you? It was a PlayStation. <laughs> and I love that line. Xbox. So they both chuckle. And his, his dad's like, when you became cyborg, you were grieving. You were only that shell because your mother had just died. I should have been a better father than you know, when, when that happened. And Vic's like, you, you were grieving too. It's like, but I lost part of myself that day. And I thought that getting rid of my t tech might make me feel whole again. And Silas like, did it? And Vic's like, no. He's like, I don't know if I ever will. I just missed a man I, I used to be. So his dad's like, you can't hide it, son. You're a hero. Just be one on your own terms. And then they, they hug. So Jane asks Cliff, you know, why is he driving like a fudging old person? He's like, well, I just want to get there in one piece. And she's like, what, you get there in time for Rory's wedding? And he says that, you know, he's facing reality. You know, again, he's, he's dying. There's no getting out of the sign. He's ticked off. Uh, he, he, you know, you always think you have time, but he, he, or he thinks about all the time he missed with Claire, but he won the, the lotto with, with Rory. Now he's going to miss out on that kid's life too. He's like, it's not fudging fair. And she's like, well, if we're running out of time, Fudging drive faster, huh? She's like, so it's like kind of a like Jersey accent. So he laughs. He's like, okay, revs the engine. And she's like, well, maybe not that fast. Then his his leg gets stuck. 
So he's like, oh, a little help, whatever. And so Jane pulls emergency brake. And she's like, I'm driving. So at the theater, there's like maybe like 16 people there. So Isabel starts. Rouge is like way in the back. And so Isabel tells her life story, like when she was born. And, you know, she does everything like that. Her mom is like kind of got drunk. And she's like, she's got like half, like half outfit of her mom drinking. And then it's supposed to be her as a little girl on the other half. And she's doing all this stuff. And, you know, she says that, you know, all that she really wanted is for people to see her, to reel her, you know, even if, if they don't like what they see. And, you know, she just wants to be loved. Like, she deserves to be loved. And she's, like, done. And then there's, like, no applause. And this lady in the front, she's like, I didn't get it. And she's like, what, what didn't she get? She's like, why are we supposed to care about this character? She's not very likable. And another's like, uh, why this story now? And this dude's like, and why does a time machine drill through to Earth? So Isabel's asked, she's like, but do you think it's ready to open tonight? They all start laugh. They're just like laughing. And she's like, stop laughing. They keep laughing. And then I said, demonic voice, stop. And she like motions with her hand. They all disappear. They're gone. And then she's like grunting in demonic voices. She's like, why won't people just accept me? So Rouge stands up from her seat in the back. She's like, you know, I ask myself that same thing all the time. And then in a normal voice, Isabel's like, you, if it weren't for you, none of this would have happened to me. And in a demonic voice, she's like, this is all your fault. And uh, Rouge's like, for what it's worth, I actually really loved your performance. It was, and she puts like two thumbs up, and Isabel smiles. Then we see a lady, I think we've seen her, I'm pretty, yeah, we've seen her before, Dr. Yu. So she calls out to Nicholas, and she's like, I have a message from Teddy. So Nicholas is a butt, uh, one of those walking butts. And he's like, Teddy's alive? And so Teddy, we saw was at the beginning, right? So she re reads, and because she's like, just let me read this. So she's like, Nicholas, the time has come to lead a revolution. I will no longer stand by and watch humanity reduce us to nothing. They cut us off at our knees before we could even climb. Use it as, used us as weapons, turned us into monsters. But together, we can rebuild our former glory and save our kind from the desolate future they have planned for us. Join me in our crusade. And Nicholas is like, he's crazy. And so Dr. Yu, she's like, there's more. He's like, I don't care. He wants a life of vengeance, but I want a life with you. It's like, I'll never join him. And she's like, please let me finish. So she continues, you probably, you're, you're probably saying you'll never join me, but I've made it easier for you. You won't have to choose. You can still have your life of domestic bliss and save our kinds. So Nicholas like, what does that even mean? She's like, she's like there's nothing I could do. I, I'm so, so sorry. And she screams in pain. She falls and she turns into a butt. He's like, no jane's driving and then she thinks back to like all the voices the, the woman voices saying say it say it and then she swerves into like a, another lane and she has like you know dodge a car and close like what's going on and she's like no nothing and then she's like do you know what dementia is he's like kinda and jane's like i, th I think i have that i've been hearing voices and close like um and she's like no not like the personas it's like this is she's like i don't know so close like well what are they saying say it and he's like, say what? She's like, that's it. I don't know what it is. And Close like, do the others? And Jane's like, I'm kind of on my own. He's like, no, you're not on your own. You, you'll always have us. And she's like, you're dying. And he's like, right. So she's like, I have no idea what the hell is going on in the underground. It's like, I never do. I, I know it's on me to figure it out, but I'm so fudging tired of figuring it out. And, and then he, he puts his hand on her shoulder 
But then we was like, wait, that's a human hand. So then we see like a different angle and it's her dad. And he's like, say it. So she like majorly swerves and cars like going close, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's just she like swerves like sideways, like onto the shoulder. And then they like look at each other and, and he's like, let's just go home. And at the theater, Rouge is like, you're trying, trying, trying to get people to accept you, but they just won't do it. And Isabel's like, totally, even when I'm doing my best. And Rouge is like, I bust my boobs to help those people. They haven't really embraced me. Still not part of their fudged up little family. And Isabel's like, right. So back to me, I was just, but then is Rouge is like on her thing. She's like, maybe it's impossible. Isabel just like sighs because she just wants to talk about herself. And so Rouge is like, maybe it's just impossible to actually ever win anyone over. You know, if people don't like you, they don't like you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And Isabel's like, that's not true. Rouge is like, it's true. And then Isabel's like, is it? Rouge is like, sometimes I actually really miss the brotherhood of evil. At least they accepted me for who I was. And Isabel's like, brotherhood of evil? She's like, yeah, we were a vicious, vicious little gang of masterminds hell-bent on world domination. It was fun. It was, it was fun. But it didn't really work out. And she's like, huh, but what if it could? Maybe the mistake I made with Immortimus wasn't forcing people to love me. It was forcing people to love me. Maybe people, I was like, wait, what does that mean? <laughs> she's like, maybe people should fear me instead. That'll make them love me, right? And Rouge's like, mm-hmm. So Isabel's like, maybe world domination is just the simplest, cleanest path for me. Maybe I should become a supervillain. And she's like, uh, I wasn't really suggesting. She's like, I love this. Oh, my God. This makes so much sense. I love this for us. And Rouge is like, us? She's like, yeah. Every supervillain needs a helper, you know, right? Like Renfield the Dracula or Hoda to Kathy Lee Gil Gifford. You could be my Hoda. And she's like, no, 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 no. Uh, she's like, I, I'm, I'm past all of that. I, I, I couldn't. And she's like, come on, with your ex experience and my power, you know, we could make the whole world love us through fear. And then we see Rita's eating alone in the, in the dining room. Larry walks in and Rita laughs. She's like, oh, thank heavens. I knew you wouldn't let me eat alone. He's like, you know I don't eat, right? She's like, oh, just enjoy the aroma. How was your day? What have you been up to? He sighs. I just spent the last three hours in Niles' office studying star charts from the day of my accident. I was hoping I might be able to find wherever Keeg is from. I knew it was a long shot, but I hope I might find a better place for him than a dirty greenhouse. And he's like, well, what do you think of this as an epitaph? Here lies Larry Trainer. He failed at everything. And she's like, oh, don't be so maudlin. Let's just sit here and enjoy our meal. And he's like, what's going on with you? Why are you acting like everything's okay? And she's like, I'm not. I'm just, he's like, we're dying, Rita. At this point, the least you can do is be honest about it. And she's like, you know what? I've worked my fingers to the bone to prepare this lovely meal so the least you can do is enjoy it. I don't eat. He's like, Jesus, you're not listening to me. She's like, no, you are not listening to me. All you want to do is talk about death. All I want to do is not talk about it. Why is that so hard? Why is it so hard for you to be here for me? He's like, I'm literally sitting right here. And she's like, ever since you voted against me for team leader. He's like, oh my God, you're still upset about that? Who the hell cares? It was a stupid title. And she's like, not to me, it wasn't. You all think that this is just another one of Rita Farr's tiresome ego trips, but it had nothing to do with that. It was about us. It was all about all of us. When Niles died, someone needed to hold his family together. So I did it. I never asked for anything in return, but I have really been struggling lately and I have no one else in my life like you or Jane or Cliff. All I have is us. And it would have been so nice if somebody stepped up for me the way that I have stepped up for them. 
and at the very least, come to dinner. And she gets up and leaves. So Dr. Hughes, she's like, it happened so fast. She's like, back to normal. She's like, it happened so fast. It's like, you know, she never saw Teddy coming. Nicholas like, it's, it's going to be okay. We'll find a way to fix, fix you. And, you know, we're going to turn you back. And she's like, you know, there's no turning me back. This is what I am now. This is who I am. And he's like, aware but? He's like, I don't think so. But she's like, now we can really be together. If, if this is what it takes, I'm okay with that. And Nicholas like, well, I'm not. I will never be okay with this. Teddy will pay for what he did. And she's like, that is not who you are. If you go down that road, you'll be no better than him. And he's like, I'm nothing like him. Then she's like, then prove it. Find another way. So we see Rita sitting in front of a fire, drinking some wine. She's listening to a record on a gramophone. The record starts skipping, so she like kind of moves to get up. And Larry's like, I got it. And then he like sits next to her. And he says, you know, of all their fights over years, where would that one rank? She scoffs. She's like, not even top ten. Then she's like, remember back in 72 when you told me I couldn't pull off Palazzo pants? And he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, you weren't wrong. And then she's like, they completely drowned me. I don't know what I was thinking. Larry's like, I meant about tonight. You were right. I haven't been there for you. Are you okay? And she's like, no, but I'm managing. Thank you for asking. I know you're worried about Keeg, but he will find his way. He's a very capable little space thing. You did right by him. He's like, I hope so. He starts going on about how he thought he was finally like letting love in. And she's like, you, you've been great together. And Larry's like, I wasn't talking about Keek. And she's like, oh, I know. And Larry's like, you know, it doesn't matter. He's like, Rama's gone. And Rita's like, I'm sorry. Larry's like, you know, it was stupid for him to think they had a chance. It's just, you know, for so long I shut myself off to the idea of starting another family. And, you know, would, would have been so nice to have one again, you know? And she's like, I do. So now tell me. I want to know all about this mysterious Mr. 104. Details. He's like, no, no, no details. She's like, you're going to deny a dying woman her last chance to dish? Cliff and Jane walk in close, like, who are we dishing about? And she's like, Mr. 104, Larry's in love. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm going to kill you. And Jane's like, no spit. She's like, I could see that. And Cliff's like, go, Lair Bear. He's like, you t tell him how you feel? And Larry's like, we really don't have to talk about this, okay? And he's like, wait, aren't you two supposed to be in Florida? And they're, they're both like, car trouble. And Rita tells him to sit, hands Jane a glass of wine. And she's like, remember when we were all tiny and lived on Cliff's racetrack? I missed that time. Not a care in the world. Larry's like, speak for yourself, okay? He's like, you know how stressful it was cooking quarter-inch pancakes every day? Because I think he wasn't, you know, he had to make food for them. And Jane's like, at least you weren't a third to a rat and cockroach three-way like Cliff. And he scoffs. This is coming from a woman who shoved a baby up a sex demon? And she's like, that was Hammerhead. He's like, well, whatever you got to tell yourself. And they all like kind of laugh. And Larry's like, we really have been to hell and back. And Jane's like, kind of literally. Cliff's like, when we die, there better be some kind of express lane because I'm not getting up on that stupid boat again. And Rita's like, if only Niles could see us now. And Jane's like, he can't. We ate him, remember? They like laugh. They're like, gross. And they're like, good times. And were they? They sit and just enjoy each other's company. Cut to Jane's room. We see like a couple pieces of a puzzle. They kind of like move towards each other and, and join Back in the, the, the living room or whatever, Cliff asks, he's like, is this really the end? And Rita's like, uh, can we honestly ask for more? It's like, I've lived two lifetimes. That's more than anyone has a right to. It's like, this family of ours, you know, we put it together and it really stuck, didn't it? I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. And Victor, and as much as it pains me to say, even Rouge, where is she? How dare she miss my kind words about her? Then Rita sees the theater flyer. She's like, oh, no, she's trying to get her longevity back. What the hell was she thinking? We told her not to go. Now we have to help her. And Cliff's like, what? And Jane's like, no, you said it. We told her not to go. This is on her. 
She said, come on, people. She is risking her life for ours. We have to do something. Larry and Cliff like try looking away. She's like, what do you say, team? Hmm? One last mission for old time's sake? And then she's, no one says anything. She's scotch. She's like, so disappointed in you. Look at me, ancient and decrepit. God only knows how old. If I can do this, then she falls over. She like passes out. So they all get up. Rita at the theater. Rouge says that, you know, she's not saying this, but, you know, they could rewrite history. She's like, you could be literally queen of the world. Isabel's like, oh my God, I love that. I'll, it'll totally humanize me. It's like, okay, so first we start small with the world, and then, and Rouge's like, mm mm-hmm. She's like, then we go intergalactic. We expand our empire to the farthest reaches of the universe. And she's, Isabel's like, Isabel Feathers, queen of the universe. Oh, it just feels so, so right. And is, uh, Rouge is like, right. And then Isabel's like, thank you. I know we've had our moments, but I'm really happy I found someone who finally gets me. And she hugs Rouge. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then to uh, the whatever theater, she's like, you hear that, Ma? I'm finally getting out of Cloverton. Watch out, world. Here it comes. She's like a spin and a bow. And you can see like the growth, the gross growth thing like uh, under her neck, like under her hair. So, and she's like, you know, look at whatever. Here comes Immortus. And Rouge like stares at the, the growth for a bit. And then she's like, fudge. Cliff is, carries Rita to her bed. Larry's like, we have to help her. We have to get our longevity back. And Jane's like, didn't she hear what she said? She's lived, lived long enough, dude. And then he's like, please, I'm not ready to say goodbye. So Cliff turns to Jane and she's like, we don't even know if it'd work. And he's like, does it matter? It's Rita. So she's like, fudge it. So they drive Cliff's car to theater. Larry comments like, oh, Isabel's finally found her audience because the streets are empty. And they're like, where is everyone? Then they hear a screech. A butt comes walking up and it's Teddy. He's like, those are the fiends who murdered our kinds. I can think of no better way to commence our holy war. What say you brothers and sisters? And Jane's like, who the fudge is he talking to? Then people start like walking around the corner and Cliff's like, oh, fudge. And Teddy's like, unclench. The people start convulsing and groaning. They all turn into butts. So inside the theater, Rouge is like, power comes with a cost, you know? And Isabel's like, who cares? Rouge is like, I didn't. For a long time, I really didn't. But when I saw a future where everyone I cared for was dead, I instantly knew why I wasn't there. I took the wrong path again. I can't repeat that mistake. I've come so far. Then her arm turns into a blade. Isabel raises her hand. And I guess she like freezes her. Outside, Cliff yells, like, this is all my fault. Nothing's changed. You know, the future we saw is about to come true. He's like, no, no one thing's different. They start, mo- the butts start moving towards him. And they're coming, get ready. And then, there's a big zap. They turn to see where it came from. They're Cyborg. They, like, jointly, they're like, WTF. And Cyborg just walks up, booyah. And Cliff's like, holy spit, BB-8 is back. He's like, let's do this. The butts start getting up. And then they're like, oh, there's too many of them. So they run inside the theater. They, they go inside the, the main part of the theater. They, you know, they, they barricade the door first. They go into the theater. They see Isabel and Rouge on stage. And she's like, let her go. And Isabel says, she's like, and she sees them. So she like freezes them. And she's like, you would choose these worthless insects over me, your queen? So Rouge shrugs. She's like, I'm not a bad person. And Isabel's like, I spent an eternity trapped in hell because of you. And then, you know, she was like in her demon voice. And then normal, she's like, perhaps it's time I return the favor. She turns to the other. I presume you're all here because you're running out of time. Her eyes glow. She raises her hand. She makes this vortex. Take all the time you need. They get sucked in. Rouge gets sucked in too. That's the end of the episode. So, uh, yeah. Um, what's going to happen after that? Uh, episode 11 is Portal Patrol. 
So we got two episodes left. We'll see what happens. All right, Invincible Season 2, Episode 2. In about six hours, I lose my virginity to a fish. <laughs> I saw that title. I'm like, um, uh, so this was a this was a fine episode. It was good, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll talk about it at the end. Maybe um, so. It's graduation day. Mark's not in the seat. You know, his his friends are there. Eve says to Amber and, and Will, William, right? Uh, she's like, this is why I quit superheroing. And Amber's like, oh, he'll be here. He promised. So then we see Doc Seismic. He's yelling on top of the Washington Monument and Invincible. He's like, what's up with you in monuments? He's like, didn't you? And he's like, didn't you fall into a big pool of lava? And he's like, I fell into a new realm of understanding. He's like, do you know what this obscene phallus is constructed from? And then he's like, he asks, expecting some idiotic answer. And Invincible's like, uh, he's like, granite stolen from the earth, iron ripped from her loins, and blah, 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 stuff like that. And Invincible's, you know, he's talking about everything, and he's like, uh, isn't that like most buildings are, you know, made all this, you know, iron and granite and whatever? And then Seismic's like, you can keep the ones made of wood. Everything else, we're taken back. And he, like, jumps up with his backpack, blasts, like, Invincible back, and, you know, so he goes flying back. And he's, like, with, like, a seismic wave or something like that. And then he, like, lands on top of the monument, and it's, like, sends some, like, huge cracks, like, all the way down. And it kind of, like, ruptures the ground around it. And then lava creatures jump up, and he, he says that he made a few new friends during his time underground. He calls them his magma knights. And he's like, and, and Vince was like, I like you better when you just hated dead presidents. Graduation speech continues. Principal's just going on and on. And Vince was trying to stop the magma knights. Um, Doc Seismic hits the ground again, and, you know, or hits the monument again, and it, it starts, it sinks it down a little bit. And then a uh, principal is going on, when you find yourself in a shadow of adversity, do not be afraid, for without adversity, there can be no triumph. Without testing your limits, you will never know how strong you truly are. So all this is kind of shadowing or, or whatever, what you, um, mimicking, parallel, whatever you want to call it, with what Invincible is doing. So he manages to take out all the magma knights, and he turns to the monument, and Doc Isaac blasts, sends him black again, he blasts him. Cecil radios, he's like, you're running out of time. And he's like, I know. He moves forward, gets blasted again and again. Then he ends up getting, like, knocked into the ground. Like, it just goes down on the, like, underground. Seismic, he's, he's rambling on. He's like, see, even your greatest heroes are useless against the power of... And then it cuts to the logo, Invincible. But then he flies up through the monument. <laughs> you see, and he delivers a massive, like, uppercut. And Cecil radios, nice save, Mark. But would have been better if you had stopped him before he destroyed another one of America's greatest treasures. And Mark's like, it's not destroyed. He's like, I could, you know, I could try pushing it back out to, you know. And he's like, do not do that. We'll take it from here. Principal's still talking. Mark finally arrives. He's like, so all I missed was um, the made-up cool inspirational quotes. Cool. Amber tells him, you know, good timing, gives him a smooch. And she's like, is that sulfur I smell in you? They get their diplomas. Amber and, and everyone, they, they discover his full name is Marcus Sebastian Grayson. And Amber's like, I thought we weren't keeping secrets from each other anymore. And he's like, some secrets should never be revealed, Justine. So they stand up. They throw at her caps. Whoops. He throws his marks, goes flying up. And, you know, then he's like, remember, or the principal's like, remember, be bold, be original, be invincible, of course. Then the four at Eve's treehouse, uh, you know, they're, they're drinking, um, drinking like bottles of beer. Mark's not. 
Eve says that you know, she doesn't feel any different. William's like, it's you know, graduating high school, not losing your virginity. Amber, summer plans go. And she's like, nothing but swimming pools and sleeping late for two whole months. I mean, on weekends, maybe. I'm at the community center Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Oh, and did I tell you guys I'm volunteering for Katie Giles' campaign? And he, William's like, that's your idea of a summer vacation? And she's like, hey, Giles is a real deal. Do you even know who your state comptroller is? And William's like, I don't even know what a state comptroller is, but hey, you you know, you do you. He's like, I'm going to find a trashiest reality show I've never heard of and binge every episode twice. He's like, Eve, please tell Amber how to properly vacay. And he's like, I'm uh, going to go help finish the reconstruction up in Chicago. And she looks at Mark. She's like, sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to make that weird for you. Or he's like, no, that's that's amazing. Amber's like, do you ever miss punching bad guys in the face? It seems cathartic. He's like, you know, right now, I'm just happy helping people. And William's like, speaking of, so he wants Eve to make more beer. So, you know, she changes some, like, cones, pine cones or something on a tree, and they turn into bottles of beer. They toast, but then, you know, Mark doesn't want a beer because he says he's on, on call. You know, Cecil might need him. So William's like, you're always on call. So Eve uh, takes a bottle, turns it into a drink. He's like, what's this? She's like, virgin Mai Tai. And he's like, ha then we see some astronauts are talking about the Martian problem, you know, because they were going to execute them or something like that. The lead guy says that, you know, they need to strike first before Earth is next to be enslaved. You know, send up that invincible guy again. Astronaut number two is like, says that, you know, you're talking about starting an interplanetary war. And then the space director asks this guy, Russ, he's like, well, Russ, what are your thoughts? He gets nervous. He's like, I, he's like, what makes you think I know anything about Martians? And he's like, you know, excuse me, I, I got to go to the bathroom. So he goes in the bathroom, he's looking in the mirror. Turns out he's an alien. He's a Martian. He's staring himself in the mirror. He like, says something. And then the director comes in the bathroom. He's like, you know, I know things have been tough since, you know, you've returned. But this is a space program, not therapy. And then uh, Russ gets to his knees. He's like, oh, you know, please forgive me. He's like, I won't fail you again. He's like, please don't kill me. And the director's like, no one's getting killed. But you're on leave until you get your head on straight. So then in Chicago, just construction going on. Adam Eve uses powers to reconstruct like this damaged corner of a building. People cheer her, but then the construction foreman yells at her and she's like, you know what you're doing? He's like, you scared the piss out of my crew. And he's like, I'm just trying to help. And the, the foreman, she's like, how do I know that's even to code? And a citizen is like, you know what? You can shove that coat up your ass. It's like, I live in that building. She's like with her little little girl, little daughter. She's like, I live in that building. And it was up to the bureaucrats. We'd be sleeping in high schools, you know, until Labor Day. Or high school, like gyms or something like that, I think. And informant just like scoffs, walks away. So the lady mentioned to Eve, she's like, yeah, I've waited six years for the city to clean up that mess. And you know, there's like empty, overgrown lot next to her. But unless you know somebody, and, and Eve's like, well, you know me. So she used her power, kind of cleared like the garbage degrees. There's like tires and you know all the stuff that she grows grass and trees. She makes a swing set and a fountain, like tennis courts, and then she gets a call from her mom. So she takes off. Mark comes down in the morning. I guess it's morning. He says, uh, "Hey, it is mom." Pours himself some coffee, and she's like, "Since when do you drink coffee?" He's like, uh, "Since I got my powers." And she's like, "Oh, I hadn't noticed." They kind of argue about the construction that Cecil had done to that to fix the house. And, you know, Mark doesn't want to argue. He's like, I mean, just not you know, right, right now. And she suggests, she's like, well, why don't we take a beach trip, just the two of us, you know, somewhere tropical. You know, it could be a graduation gift. He's like, really? He's like, you know, I, I want to, but, you know, Cecil told me the Guardians are, are working on some issues. He's like, I don't know if I can take the time off right now. And she's like, well, what about taking some time off to enjoy your last summer being a kid? 
he like sighs. He's like, I'm not a kid anymore. And she's like, I know, I know, you know, you're an adult and that means you can make your own choices. You don't have to do everything Cecil tells you. He's like, yeah, mom, I kind of do. Last time I did this on my own, half city got destroyed. And she's like, I understand. And he's like, no, you don't. And she's like, let me finish. I understand why you think you have to prove yourself, but you don't. You're a good person. No one thinks you're going to turn out like your father. And he's like, well, then why would you even say it? She's like, I, I'm sorry. That's not what I meant. You know, she she grabs his wrist and you know, he's walking away. And then he gets a call from Cecil, just earpiece, earpiece that, you know, he, he's like, Mark, I need you. So Mark's like, thank God. And she's like, what? And he's like, I have to go. So the guardians are training. Rex is complaining. You know, they're all beaten, exhausted. And he's, he's like, the more he's like, fudge your training. He's like, people try and kill me every single day. It's like, look, I don't need that poop at home. But then later in, in the locker room, he hears duplicate. And, uh, you know, he makes a comment. He's like, oh, I have a boo boo. It needs kissing. And she's like, that's inappropriate talk in a workplace. And he's like, we are not a thing. And then he hears a noise again. And it's like another one of her. She's hooking up with Immortal. And he's like, uh, he's, like he, he's not happy. Russ is watching a news report on the Guardians. Uh, you know, there's heroes that no one expected to call them victims. So he, they're talking about like f former members that have been killed or something like that have fallen. He's about to eat a, a frozen frozen pizza, you know, like literally like frozen, when there's a knock on his door. There's old lady says, you know, she's like, I know you lost your job, but the rent's been due for months. And she's like, you know, find a way to pay your bills or, you know, I need you out by the end of the week. And he's like, all right, whatever. He goes back to TV and they're, you know, so again, honoring the fallen guardians. They talk about Martian man who made Earth his, his home and he like smiles. Mark's flying around. Cecil says that they've had multiple corroborated sightings of Darkwing. So Mark flies to Midnight City. It's under this like red dome. And Cecil, he's like, it's been a virtual no man's land since a midnight magician cursed it back in 02. And then, this, you know, as, as Mark's flying, the sky suddenly goes like dark maroon, like all around him. And Cecil's like, it's cursed, permanent midnight, perpetual darkness, somewhere on the dark side of the moon. So Mark invincibly flies back a bit in daylight with blue skies. And he goes back and forth and like that and kind of giggles. Cecil's like, let me know when you're done playing tourist. So then we see there's this guy running, like yelling for help on a rooftop of all places. He's a little bloody and beat up. He trips and like lands, I don't know if it's a dead body or a knocked out body. And he's like, somebody, he's like, somebody help me. Then Darkwing appears. I am helping you. Slams against the wall, helping make sure a scum like you never hurt another innocent person again. So Invincible arrives and like knocks him away. The guy climbs on a ladder, like off the roof. Invincible like, come on. Man, he's like, Darkwing was at my 12th birthday party, so I'm pretty sure he doesn't kill people. Also, pretty sure he's dead. And Darkwing's like, killed by your father, Invincible, which is why I carry on his work. I was Nightboy, his assistant. And Invincible's like, you mean sidekick? We don't use that term. It's degrading. Cecil's like, bring him in. He's lost it. So Invincible replies, he's like, you think? And Darkwing's like, you hear them too, the voices? So Invincible's like, oh, man. He's like, hey, you're coming with me, okay? I'm not going anywhere with the son of a psychopath. He's like, hey, I'm being nice, so watch it. Darkwing does some backflips, jumps off the building before Invincible can grab him. Then somehow he pops out of a shadow behind him, like hits him a couple times. And Invincible's like, ow. He's like, I felt that. My predecessor developed this exoskeleton to help even the field against those like you. But that's not what you should be worried about. And he's like, hey, man, I said I felt that punch. I didn't say it hurt. So he charges on him, but then Darkwing melts in the shadows then he comes out and he does like a flip kick he dodges a punch throws invincible into the shadows and he's just kind of like falling and then he's like welcome to the shadow verse there are dark things there hungry things even i don't dare stay there too long 
but I hope you like it because you are never leaving. And Vince was like, I like the old Darkwing better. And he's like, I'm the hero here. I'm saving the world from Omni-Man's son. So Invincible manages to grab Darkwing's wrist, and then he, like, gasps. And he's like, hey, don't call me that. And Darkwing's like, let go. He, like, grunts, punches Invincible a couple times in the face, but there's, like, no effect. And Invincible's like, not until you take me back. So then there's, like, some alien growling noise, and Invincible's like, hmm, guess who they'll eat first? So he, he tries punching again, but Invincible catches his fist, and he's like, you would never. And Invincible's like, like you said, I'm Omni-Man's son. You have no idea what I'm capable of. So he's like, there, now let go. And Mark like shoves him. Darkwing Nightboy gets ready to make another move, but then Invincible just gives him like a judo shot to his shoulder and like knocks him out. Cecil radiums. He's like, oh, I lost you there for a minute. He's like, where were you? Mark's like, you'll have to ask Darkwing's side quick when he regains consciousness. So Cecil chuckles. He's like, okay, bring him in. He's like, I'm signing off because something, you know, came in. And Mark's like, anything I can do? He's like, I doubt it. So it turns out it's Debbie, Mark's mom, and Cecil's like, oh, what a pleasant surprise. What can I do for you? And she's like, Mark almost missed high school graduation because of you. He only gets one of those. He's barely 18. And he's like, Mark came to me. I'm looking out for him. I'm easing him back into the job. It's not a job, and he's not your, your soldier. You can't just order him around. And he's like, well, at least he follows orders. And she's like, <gasps> he's like, Debbie, I didn't mean that. That's what this is about, isn't it? That you're in control, not him. That he's not like his father. Well, what if you decide you can't trust him? What then? He's like, that's not going to happen. I meant what I said about looking after him. No dangerous stuff until he's ready. And he calls the shots. And then Donald comes in with like, he's like, here's the Mars file you asked for. And Debbie's like, Donald? She's like kind of surprised. And Cecil, he's like, okay, you know, he like ushers her out. So Eve's mom tells her, like, everything's fine. And he's like, you don't sound fine. And so she finds like, she's like, well, things have been a little tight financially, but they're, you know, we're fine. And he's like, well, why didn't you say something? And she's like, you know, I can help. And she uses her, her powers, like stock the fridge with like food and creates like a bowl of fruit on the table. And then her mom's like, like, turn, turn it back, please, before your father gets home. And she's like, why? What's going on? And then you're Samantha. And she's like, dad, what are you doing in a Burger Mart shirt? It's called an honest day's work. And she's like, but the furniture store, you've been there for 20 years. Until you people turn the Chicago corporate office into a pile of rubble. And she's like, oh, God. She's like, why don't you just tell me? Maybe you should have asked instead of flying off to God knows where, doing God knows what. And she's like, all right, well, I'm here now. You don't have to work some minimum wage job like a teenager. I can give you and mom whatever you want. I've provided for this family longer than you've been alive. So she grabs an apple out of a bowl and she changes it. She's like, there, 24 carat. You can sell this and turn it back. And she's like, ugh. She's like, you're being stubborn for no reason. I said change it back. Her phone buzzes. And she's like, I got to go. She's like, the Times wants to interview me about my work in Chicago. She's like, I'll, I will visit in a few days to check in. And her mom, she's like, make dad sell this. And she like hands it to her. She's like, bye. So Amber's at the community center. She's doing her spiel about the campaign stuff on the phone. The caller like hangs up. You know, it's like, okay, whatever. Mark comes in and he's like, oh, you need a better slogan. Because you know, she's talking about like technical, like you know, what number stuff or whatever. So then uh, he says he's there to take her out to lunch. He blindfolds her, flies her to the top of the Eiffel Tower, but they're actually in Vegas. Because, you know, he says that she only gets an hour for lunch and he can't fly to Europe fast enough without her skin ripping off. So, and then they end up kissing and stuff like that. But then Cecil calls, says he needs him. So he he does fly her back. At first I was like, he's going to leave her there? Cecil's standing off on the coast somewhere. Like, it's like raining. 
And he says that, he's like, turns out the Atlanteans are sore about Omni-Man murdering their king, Aquarius, since your dad vanished like a f fart in a, in a hurricane. Uh, Atlantean law dictates that his sentence falls to his next of kin, you. And, and Mark's like, that's a stupid law. And she's like, maybe, but Atlantis controls the oceans. They've threatened to erase the eastern seaboard if we don't deal with this. So he's like, you want me to go to war with an entire underwater civilization? And she's like, who said anything about a war? According to Atlantean custom, the only way to atone for the king's murder is to marry his widow. And he's like, what? He's like, it's an honor if you think about it. I can't marry a fish. I have a girlfriend. Which does that have something to do with the title? He's like, relax. It's strictly symbolic. All you got to do is go through the ceremony, maybe kiss the bride. So this like ship craft thing comes, pops out of the water, like floating there. So he's like, that's your ride. And he goes to leave because he says, he's like, I got another fire to put out. He's like, good luck down there. I'll be listening. He teleports out. Donald's, you know, in the control room, he tells him it's a, it's a lizard league. And Cecil kind of scoffs. He's like, you call me back for the lizard league? And they're like, well, they've hit a bio-research lab outside of Dallas. And Cecil's like, how? It's like, we have King Lizard rotting in a prison cell. And Donald says, well, it appears that Supreme Lizard has seized control in his absence. Cecil's like, oh. he's like, send in the guardians. And Donald's like, do you think they're ready? He's like, well, if they can't take down the Lizard League, they'll never be ready. So they they go after him. They kind of fight. They, they knock him down. It seems like they they took him out, but not quite. Um, but then, like, wait, there's two Rexplodes. And Rex like, like, what's going on? So it turns out this other guy, he was like a duplicate. He's like, I call me the Shapesmith. And then he gets down, gets knocked down by this big lizard dude. The other lizard starts getting up. Immortal orders him, you know, like to go after him. Underwater, invincible uh, in the craft, he's given like a water breathing mask. And they're like, welcome, son of, he. the queen's like, welcome, son of he who slayed my husband. Uh, and Mark's like, or Miss Willis says, it's, it's an honor to meet you. And uh, I'm very sorry for what my father did. Then he starts going on about how he's like, I can't do this. Like, I have a girlfriend and, you know, we're in a really good space. And even though, you know, you seem really nice, it wouldn't be right to. And she's like, what are you talking about? And Vince was like, isn't that why I'm here to be your new king? And she's like, why would I need a king? I commanded this kingdom for a decade while Aquarius played dress up with you humans. And Vince was like, oh, then we're not getting married. She's like, we abolished that barbaric custom. What do you think we are, savages? So Invincible's like, great. He's like, what's this, the new law? And she's like, trial by combat. So there's this area, you see like these, like two huge chains on these like big like pillars like in, in the ground. And then you see this, this little like kind of like seahorse type thing that floats out. Invincible's like, you want me to fight that? It's like, seems unfair. And so he goes over, he kind of swings at it, it like squeaks, and finally he grabs it. He's like, okay, you know, he thinks he's one, but it turns out it's connected to this humongous creature. Debbie is working on trying to sell a house with, uh, I guess, her, her co-worker, this dude, Paul. So they show this young couple. The, the woman really likes it, but the guy complains that it's too far from the office. And, but the, the wife's like, but you know, it's, it's in our price range and you know, it's the schools and everything. And he's like, when you earn the money, you can decide where we live. You know, he's, he's just been like, just like nasty and short, like with about different things. And finally, you know, Debbie just like mutters, she's like, she's not your pet. And then he's like, what? So Paul's like, why don't, why don't we look in a garage and see how, how spacious it is? And she suggests to Debbie, he's like, he's like, why don't you take the rest of the day off? So Invincible's still fighting. Cecil's like, what's going on? And Mark's like, your intel is off. So Cecil's like, well, backup's underway. So that means missiles are coming. So they they hit the beast, they knock it down, but then Cecil, he, he tells Mark, he's like, get out of there. One of the missiles blasted a chain, like on the beast, like one of the chains. 
it, it gets kind of loose. It stomps down like, I don't know if they're fish kids, but it kills a bunch of them. And Mark, you know, he's like, he started like swimming away. He wants to turn back. So he's like, that's their problem. They should have thought about that when they brought that home from the market or whatever. So he's like, they wanted to kill you and they were cheering. And Vince was like, all they wanted was justice for my dad did. Well, you're not your father, Mark. And he's like, that's why I'm going back. So the creature is about to smash the queen because, you know, she's like up on, on the, whatever, the platform days, whatever. And Invincible charges back, delivers a massive blow. And it's like, I think it put like a dent in its chest or something like that. So blood's, a little bit of blood is like kind of coming out of the creature's mouth. So I don't know if there's internal injuries. He keeps pounding and he grabs one of the massive pillars with like the other chain on it, throws it down this like big hole, like trench behind. And uh, the creature gets like pulled back. So Invincible turns to the queen, but then that tentacle thing reaches up and grabs him. So then later we see Invincible. He ends up on a beach. He's like throwing up some water. Cecil, he's like, oh, you got lucky this time. It's like Atlantis is calling it even since you saved the queen's life. He's like, the next time I give you an order, you listen. Then he tells Donald, uh, you know, uh, he, so he cuts the, the call with Mark. He tells Donald to pull up the audio from the fight. And because uh, the, the creature let out this noise, like this roar, and Mark's like, oh, he's like, that sounds familiar or something like that. So there's something about this noise. And Cecil's like, get, get it to the boys in R&D. It's like, I want to report in a week. So Donald starts to leave, but then he stops. And he's like, when Debbie came in, she seems distressed when she saw me. And Cecil's like, oh, she's a distressed person. You know, who knows what she's, what's going through her head after Nolan, after Omni-Man. Because the thing is, I, I wondered this too. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, what happened? Did this happen in the comic? What, how's he back? Because before, uh, like when Nolan first changed, he didn't he like reach in, like pull out Donald's spine or or something from his back, and then the house because he was across the street, like eavesdropping, right? And then the house like blew up with Donald in it. But then he's back. So I'm sure we'll find out soon. Eve returns home. She sees like the fruit and food from the fridge and the golden apple are like, in a garbage can outside. So inside, she's like, asks her, she's like, why would you do that? And he's like, we don't want to take your fake food or your fake gold. And she's like, they're not fake, but she's like, I get it. You had your job for years and losing it must feel awful. I know how hard you work to pr provide for mom and me. No one is trying to take that away from you, but you got to get over the stupid man of the house thing. I'm trying to help. And so he's sitting on the couch, his hand like clenches around a newspaper that's like next to him. And he stands, he's like, oh, oh yeah. He's like, like you helped in Chicago, shoves a paper at her. So it turns like the whole thing was un un unstable. And, and there's like the headlines like, superhero sinkhole, dozens injured. He's like, that's why the city never built there. It's a miracle nobody was killed. He's like, this is what happens when you think rules are just for us pathetic normal people. Your powers don't make you a hero. They make you dangerous. And she's like, I, I have to go. And he's like, and don't come back until you figure that out. So he is such, such a jerk. At home, Debbie decides to open another bottle of wine. So she goes to the cabinet, gets a wine glass, and then she closes it. Cabinet, cabinet won't stay shut. And she closes it. It opens, closes it, opens. So then she slams it, and she slams it over, and the glass, like, smash out. She tears off the door, and just, like, curses, and she starts crying. And Mark comes home. You know, he's in his tattered costume with some scrapes and stuff like that. They kind of, like, stare at each other. And then she starts crying some more. He tries going over, and she, like, puts her hand out, like, almost to stop him, whatever. But then he, like, he hugs her anyways. Um, Shape Smith is getting shown around the Guardians HQ and Rex, he's being his usual sarcastic self and Mortal's like, you know, he says to Shape Smith, he's like, you know, if you play your cards right, you could be living here someday with us or, you know, and Rudy's like, 
uh, not to question your authority, but you know, we don't know anything about the shapesmith. And Shapes is like, well, I can tell you. He's like, I got my powers in a random industrial accident. You know, I swore to use my abilities for good and to help people protect this planet no matter what. At the same time, we're seeing like shots from Mars. So we're, we see this like battle is fought. There's like fallen Martian. So, and then this Martian, Martian marches and leaves like in a ship. Shapesmith's like, because I am a normal human superhero. So I'm trying to remember, uh, you know, my, my, whether this, I don't know how accurate, I don't remember how accurate this is, but so is Shapesmith possibly Russ? Is Marsh, the Martian a shapeshifter? And why don't I remember? Do I know? Should I know this? So we'll see. Uh, Supreme Lizard's talking to his battered soldiers. And he's like, yes, we were defeated. Yes, it was my plan. And yes, you know, we were embarrassed on social media. He's like, we are the Lizard League. We are unstoppable. This other member's like in the back behind him is like kind of like face palming. And Supreme Lizard's like, you know, we will rise any day now. And they all chant, all hail Supreme Leader. All hail, you know, over and over again. And then you hear, Pow! And Supreme Leader gets, like, shot in the head. <laughs> then you hear a voice like, if anyone's going to turn this organization around, it's going to be King Lizard. Any objections? So then he's there. So I guess he got out of jail, unless it's someone else. So that's the end. But then uh, at the Pentagon, it's like the soldiers running. There's an alarm going off. And then you hear, uh, and this was like, why should I tell you anything? Who the hell are you anyways? And this, this voice is like, think of me as an old friend, an old friend who can help you given your current predicament. So we see Mark, he's like locked up and he's contained. You know, he's got like this big thing around his, like his waist, his, his arms are on these big like metal block things. He looks like he's, he's naked under, under there. And, uh, the dude talking to him, the close caption says angstrom lovey. So obviously this is alternate earth. So Mark's like, fine. It's like, they were smart after our, ultimatum they ambushed my dad with experimental quantum bombs they just wore me down caught me when i finally had to sleep and angstrom's like hmm interesting and then two women come in so they're female versions of cecil and, and donald they're like you know gender opposites or whatever so they're like freeze and the other one's like who the hell are you and mark's like that's what i said and angstrom's like me i'm not your problem and she's like then whose problem are you and he's like, his, and he motions Mark. Well, not his, but close enough. He opens a portal, and he's like, you know, make him pay for what he did to your world. And Mark's like, what? Hey, you promised you'd help me. Don't leave me here. Hey. And that's the end. So this is one of the things I always thought about, like, with, uh, with alternate realities. It's like, I, I feel like the dangerous thing is if you go to an, an alternate reality, you have the potential of learning secrets because uh, like let's say you go to some world where everyone knows bruce wayne is batman or peter parker spider-man or something like that so if you went to this alternate earth and you found that out and then you go to your earth or the main whatever then you can use that information so here angstrom obviously went somewhere and he found out that mark is invincible so if he goes back to the main universe is he going to use that against him so so yeah, like i said it was, it was a it was a good episode um, you know, not a whole lot happened, but it's, you know, moving the story forward and, you know, we're seeing bits like stuff that Debbie's dealing with and, you know, Mark's still trying to deal with the stuff that his dad did that, you know, he, he's scared of, does want to be his dad and everything. And you're seeing Eve with her ugh, dad. And so it, it was good. Okay. Then 
Rick and Morty, season seven, episode five, Unmore Trickin. Uh, this this episode, um, I must feel like this this changes quite a bit. I mean, there's there's like some heavy duty stuff. So it's just like this feels like it almost could have been like a season finale. And at first, I was like, wait, it, there's there's more. This is only episode five. So it starts off, we, and, and it was a little confusing at first, because so it starts off, Rick and Morty returns from some adventure. Morty's cover, covered with, like, purple slime. He's like, wow, another adventure where I went up an ass. Then Rick's like, oh, God. He's like, are we having this fight again? Let me guess. You're going to leave or throw a sulking fit. And Morty's like, you think you know everything, but you're just a giant eight-year-old. And Rick yells. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore. You're either in or you're out. I'm tired of you weaponizing this half-ass threat. If you want out, just leap and quit. And Morty's like, you know, you're right. He's like, sorry for being such a high-maintenance Morty. Why don't I get you a drink? And he opens, like, Rick's secret fridge thing. So later, then we see Morty working at his desk in his room. He's, like, soldering something. He goes down the garage. It's a master's of broken bottles. Rick's, like, drunk on the floor. He's like, are you drunk yet? It's just Rick and Morty for 100 years. And Morty's like, yeah, pal, Rick and Morty for 100 years. And he puts on an eye patch. And there's these two wires, and he, like, tucks them into his, like, his eye socket somewhere he's like forever he closes the garage door and there's like a big red flash of light seen from the outside so wait this is uh we've seen this morty before this isn't this is where it's a little confusing because we're supposed i guess supposed to believe this is our rick and morty but it's not our rick and morty so then they walk through a portal rick's following eye patch morty evil morty and they go into like morty agency there's like an overweight morty or overweight Rick at the, the counter. He comments about he's like, with the eye patch. He's like, you know how we feel about pirates. Rick grabs his head and like, just, just, just smashes it dust several times. Morty goes to the computer. A Rick guard comes running up. Rick, um, This Rick shoots him. by He just like bends over backwards. And then Morty, he's looking at a Morty directory. They go through a portal. They go in a dining room. They shoot the Rick there, with, and then they trank the Morty. They drag him through the portal with them. They continue doing this like several times and they're throwing like the Rick bodies in a pile. And, you know, some of them are a little different, but the, the Mortys, they escape and they start attacking the Rick. And then Morty leaves through a portal. He takes the eye patch off and he like smashes like electronics. Then he looks at a newspaper, power vacuum, Citadel to hold first ever election. So again, we've seen this part, right? Wasn't this end of like two seasons? I don't remember. So this is all like a flashback. He goes out in space. You see the shimmery lights. He opens a ship. He opens, a, you know, just a, like a golden portal, and he steps through. So then, um, just I patch Morty. It was a little calm for now. He's running on this alien world. There's this other family. They they kind of look like a cross between like sort of like the Jetsons or whatever. And the, but the the mom's looks almost like Wilma Flintstone. They have two kids, a boy and a girl. So they made a travel, and they're talking about like we can travel infinite universes. And then this other portal appears like under them, kind of like chops like chops off chops them up they're gone and all you see is like their feet so this other family appears they're a little different but then they get sliced by another portal this other family um appears and then this big two-headed alien chomp chomp eats eats all four of them so it's chasing morty then gets killed by eye patch morty he grabs a, a crystal from the dead creature and he starts, the world starts shaking, and he takes off in his, like, pod ship thing. He goes through a golden portal, goes to uh, some planet. I don't know if it's a Citadel or wherever. He puts the crystal in this machine, 
and it makes like a force field around her. Then he sits back in a lounge chair. He gets a drink from this like robot butler, but then the force field thing like kind of fails and this big crystal smashes through. It's another smaller creature starts like chasing him. So he goes back to the machine and says curve integrity compromise. And it you know, shows a source of disruption. So there's like this other like space station somewhere. So then we see Rick and Morty there. They're loading up like some big batteries. So we've seen this. This is our Rick and Morty. They're talking about Rick hunting down the Rick that killed his wife. They're, they pull in like several Ricks into like this big tube. And again, we've seen this. It scans them, no match. So they get put in this like little chamber, like one by one. It scans them, no match. Like shoots them in the head, dead. Next one comes in, no match. Morty's like, like, what the bleep are you doing? And then there's a noise behind him. And it's, it's, he's, Morty's like, look, it's evil Morty. He's like, should I grab the net? And Rick's like, yes. He's like, hang tight. And, you know, he says evil Morty. He's like, hang tight. Morty's getting the net. And evil Morty's like, wait, is this what I think it is? Of course it is. Everything's what I think it is. You're basically tracking the central finite curve to flush out a version of yourself. Shouldn't you be turning yourself into a pickle? So they argue over who's smarter and stuff like that. Rick tells him, he's like, don't touch the controls. And he's like, why would I want to improve it? He says, that, you know, you should probably filter out some of the probability factors. Morty comes back. He's like, I can't find the net. And he sees Rick, like, changing something on the controller. He's like, wait, what are you doing? Why do you change it? It turns out it works. So they track it down this one Rick. They, like, narrow down all these other ones. He gets sucked into this collection pod. And Morty's like, is that the guy? And Rick's like, probably. Could be a trap. Evil Morty's like, I'll explain. He's worried that it's actually your target and that he'd owed me, oh, he'd owe me credit for finding him. And Rick's like, are you serious right now, you little narcissist? And Evil Morty's like, dude, little literal glass house. So Rick's like, you think you're better than me? And Evil Morty's like, Jesus, I hope so. And then the other evil Rick's, he like laughs. He's like, can I offer my two cents? And a regular Morty screams. He's like, no. He hits a button. Evil Rick turns into like this black slime. And Rick's like, well, that's different. The tube shatters and like black tentacles like ooze out. And Morty's like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Rick and Morty, or Rick and Evil Morty, they both make portals escape, but then all three of them get grabbed, thrown into the, black, the blackness. They land with a thud somewhere, and, and Rick's like, all right, look at the bright side. Evil Morty got to experience being wrong before he died. And Evil Morty's like, it's true. That's what I get for talking to you instead of killing you. And he takes out like this glowing sphere that like floats up. And Morty's like, what is this place? Rick's like, I assume a box contained Rick's that gets too close to finding the big guy. Evil Morty's like, are you basing that on what you do since you're all the same? And he's like, I'm basing it on the ensemble of thematic Rick's huggled opposite your POV. So behind him, there's five other Rick's, like different varieties, and one whistles fresh meat. And Evil Morty's like, pick a lane, buddy. And Rick's like, yeah, you can't do the fresh meat bit while cowering in the shadow. So then one of them is like, get here the same way we did hunting rick prime another one's like how did you arrive with two mortys and one's is like attachment is death bro that's what i've learned chasing this guy he's like instead of rick explaining how you all ended up in a roach motel let's pull some data who got here first so there's this disheveled this one he's like me he's like i knocked off three clones for this door prize and this other one's like oh wow three and this other one's like, he killed my wife. They are all like, we know. Then another one dressed like Indiana Jones falls through this, like the, the ooze in the ceiling. He, he's like, SOB, he's like, you killed my wife. And he shoots a gun, but the bullet like ricochets all over the place. The other Rick's kind of duck. 
evil Morty. He's like, this is this the torture? And then six huge screens like take up the, the, all the walls. It's Rick Prime's face. He's like, looks like there's enough of you to start the next ride. That or just one really heavy Rick. He's like, the whole thing is automated, which I do point out specifically to enhance the humiliation. Here we go. So he wants to make sure to note that he's not really doing that, that it's just automated. So the floor drops, they kind of go down the slide, hatches open, like separates them. And there's like smaller screens. If you're seeing this, you're me, except you know less, but you're act like you're better. So I killed your beloved Diane, partly to devastate you, mostly so I only have to record this one message. Some of you, you may have noticed that it's not just your Diane that's gone. She's also been erased from every universe across infinity. And you might be wondering why. And uh, Evil Morty's like, I'd rather hear how. So, uh, so Prime's, Rick Prime's screen says, Diane was wiped from all existence by the weapon too cool for a name. And Rick's like, the Omega device. And Rick Prime continues, like, known to inferiors as the Omega device. And Rick's like, I heard the name from an inferior, and it's my weapon. Rick Prime recording says, but it's your fault. I had to use it on her. So if you want to see the Rick that ruined your life, look around. It's like, there's so many of you. That's why I had to make a deal. One of you is going to get your Diane back. And Rick's like, he's lying, he's lying. And Rick Prime's like, all you have to do is be the last Rick left. So they're like in separate glass cages, and then they all get guns, and then the glass, some of the glass walls rise. So our Rick has like a built-in force field, and he, you know, because after one shoots him like, you know, several times, and Rick's like, got that out of your system? He's like, he can't bring her back. The other Rick shoots again, the blast ricochets, shoots him in the head. So one down. There's the old disheveled Rick. He chokes the nerdy Rick and slams him down. There's like blood. This like fancy, almost like a fan fancy English Rick and Indiana Rick are like fighting each other. Then uh, Indy Rick like takes out fancy Rick because there's a big splash of blood like against the, the, the glass. Another Rick in a sweater puts up his hand. He's like, I'm the nice Rick. But then Evil Morty like blasts him with the, like a gun built into his wrist. And he's like, meh, pass. So regular Morty's like, you're such a dick. And he's like, we, you know, they, we could have worked together. But it turns out Nice Rick is still alive. And he's like, actually, I'm nice enough to not lie about this. I was definitely going to kill you guys. So Evil Morty blasts him in the head. An alarm chimes. More glass walls lift. Morty rolls away from Evil Morty. And he, he tells Rick, he's like, take the shot. And Rick's like, I thought you wanted to work together. And Morty's like, just until you could kill him. And Evil Morty's like, and they call me Evil Morty? Rick's like, the easiest way out of any box is to be the least shaped like a box. We both hate Rick Prime more than each other anyways. Evil Morty's like, where'd you get that? And, and Rick's like, he's the worst Rick. And Evil Morty's like, big deal. The worst turd is a pizza. It's like, what? Indy Rick and Disheveled Rick are fighting on the other side of a glass wall. Indy Rick whips the other Rick and there's a big blood splatter. And Rick's like, whoa, tough customer. And Morty's like, how is the worst turd a, a pizza? But somehow disheveled Rick didn't die, even though there's all that blood. So, so the, the blood gets wiped away, and disheveled Rick is like holding Indy Rick by the throat and electrocutes him. And then Rick and Morty, they both like, oh, spit. And you know, it seems like he doesn't play well with others. He's like, we all cool with just killing this guy? And they're like, uh-huh. And you know, evil Morty's like, yeah. So the glass wall lifts. Rick and Evil Morty attack. Regular Morty is just like kind of cringing and, you know, hide, trying to hide. 
Rick slices his torso. Evil Morty kicks the top half over. So they're like kind of working together. Then Rick Prime's voice calls out. He's like, great job. Final Rick. Or if you were just one Rick. Impressive cardio. And he's like, now the big reveal. Do you get Diane back? Well, not any real sense because when I build a weapon, it works. It's called being talented. But I do have a Diane that promises to be with you until death. But I'd get to the death part fast. You don't want to be here when this place needs rest. So the screen turns off and there's a giant orb with like Diane's face like plops down from the ceiling. And she opens her eyes. She's like, Rick? And he's like, hey, Diane. And he's like not even like surprised or anything like that. And then she's like, you suck that eating boop cookie, but not cookie. The orb grows like legs and arms, like blades and guns. And Rick's like, clearly just said to be hurtful, but I also won't deny it. I was young. She screams and his arm like a chainsaw attacks him. And he just casually blocks the, the chainsaw with his arm. He's like, God, I missed that face. Then evil Morty blasts it and it gets knocked over. Regular Morty is like, Rick, you never told me that he killed your wife across infinity. Evil Morty's like, yeah, I want to meet this guy too. And Rick's like, I don't want to talk about this. So the Diane heads, stands up again and unleashes another insult at Rick. It charges um, and he like slices her. And then she's like, cuck, cuck, cuck. You know, she's, she's like lying on her back. Come on, baby, give, give my ghost a kiss. Mwah. Rick tosses like a floating disc and closes like the pieces, like two pieces of the ho and like these hollow boxes. And Rick's like, oh, or, or Morty's like, are you taking her to go? But then the boxes like psh, bright light, they get like disintegrated, like obliterated. And Morty's like, whoa, looks like we survived the box. Then a big wall of flames and <laughs> erupts like all around her. And Rick's like, you should count chickens professionally, Morty. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't trigger that. And he's like, all right, let's bail before this oven self cleans. So Rick and Evil Morty both try to open a portal and they fail like their things don't work. So Rick's like, what do you think? Sub-ether barrier, the portal fluid? And Evil Mor Morty's like, can't be. Mine would, would get through it. Rick's like, here, give me that. So Rick takes both portal guns and kind of like hacks them together to put, you know, with the wires. Evil Morty grabs a dead Rick. He drags him over. And he's like, don't freak out. He's like, I'm going to tweak the gun. So Rick does some calculations using the dead you know, blood from the dead body and he was writing on the floor and evil Morty's like, you need some kind of vector. He's like, I was getting there. So Morty points like it's the goo, the goo from the trap. Rick is able to make a green portal. And it's kind of like surrounded by like yellow dots and stuff. So Morty's like, they, they get through there. They're in like, I think it's like Rick's basement lab or a Rick's basement lab. And he's like, I, I, I can't believe you're not excited for that. He's like, he's like, Rick's like, I'm more excited for the goo. And he's like, no one escaped there before. He starts like analyzing the, the stuff. And even more, he's like, boy, you never learned your lesson chasing that guy. And more, he's like, you can leave now. And even more, he's like, that's true. I can. And then Rick's like the weapon, Morty. He knows a thing about that wipes out someone across all dimensions could wipe him across all dimensions. So he like does some like stuff or whatever, then bing, and he's like, "Holy spit!" So because he's there, and so he's like, "So that's a guy." And then phew, Rick tries shooting again, <laughs> tries shooting Evil Morty, and Evil Morty's like, "You're exhausting," because he's got a you know force field. He's like, "Can't help it, I'm a rascal." So then he gets in his space car. He's like, "Morty, you can't come. Evil Morty, stay out of my way. Gonna kill my nemesis, Rick out." <laughs> and Evil Morty's like, "He's a weird guy," and Morty's like. 
so Rick's right. You're afraid of the weapon? Even more, he's like, what happens if Rick actually kills this guy? You ever think about that? Maybe he'll kill himself next. And Morty's like, you're an a-hole. And even more, he's like, yeah, well, I'm not. Good, Morty. And he opens a portal. And he's like, come or don't. I don't care. So he walks through the portal. Morty thinks about it. And then he's about to step through it. And the portal closes. He's like, oh, spit. Then the portal reopens. And even Morty sticks his head out. He's like, gotta be honest. I totally thought you were coming. And Morty's like, no, no. I, I, I was. I, I took a heroic step towards the portal. Then it closed. So evil Morty's like, yeah, well, come on. So Rick's in a vehicle. He's like, prime. He approaches like planetoids surrounded by like drones, like shooting lasers. He's like, oh man, he built it again. And then this ship AI is like, pretty impressive. And Rick's like, yeah, well, he's me with free time. He's like, all right, I don't see a place to park. Smashes through, lands hard. Uh, ship's a little, little smashed up. He tells the AI, the ship, he's like, take a breath and keep the heat off my back. The AI is like, if you die, I am taking your stuff. He approaches like big chamber and there's like this glowing energy sphere in the middle. And then Evil Morty and Morty, you know, come out. And Evil Morty's like, all right, cool, let's do it. And Rick curses like, you brought Morty? And Evil Morty's like, I'm not worried about him. I'm evil. So Rick tries like shooting him, you know, again. And then you hear a recording, whatever. All right, here we go. The wife guy, dead wife Rick. I'll tell you, you know, this guy does not know when to quit and rick's like i'm gonna bleep and kill you and then rick prime's like you brought two mortys with you it's like what they're your cheering section and evil morty's like we brought ourselves a hole and then uh rick prime's like honestly wife guy i do miss when it was just us the only two ricks who actually invented portal travel he's like anyone else tied teed up to arrive later like your car and the car is like dropped by by a crane. It's like beaten and like singed. And the, the car is like the AI is like I can see why you hate him. Or a Rick Prime. I'm getting. I'm like losing my train of thought here. Trying to remember like who's saying what. So Rick Prime, he's like, and she sounds like our wife, like in a bleeped up robot way. But that's definitely her. It's like you sentimental little fella. So Evil Morty tries like shooting at him. He's like, right, good instincts. I would have tried that too. And then Rick and Evil Morty, they both make portals on the ground. All three jump through. They land next to Rick Prime, like this like floating whatever disc uh, with a bunch of like monitors and computers in it. So Rick and Evil Morty shoot at him, but then he teleports out. Then two of them appear, grab Rick and Evil Morty. A third says, I upgraded everything. He's like, by the way, the new version can fire more than one. So now I can erase your whole family one by one until you finally learn your lesson, which you won't. So then I'll kill you too. The place starts rumbling and he's like, I'll do that the old fashioned way. He's like, okay, family killing time. Let's start small. Still family though. So then we see this guy with like a, a clock on his head and a belt, like, uh, like a clock on his belt. It's like, he has like yellow outfit. He's like brought in a tube. Um, I totally don't remember. Are we supposed to know who this guy is? I haven't looked to see, like, is this someone new? I didn't recognize. I don't remember him. So then he, the, this, this guy, he's like, where am I? He's like, two Ricks? He's like, where's my wife? I was just with my wife. And Morty's like, what the? Uncle Slow? So then uh, he's like, Slow Mobius? And Rick Prime is like, yeah, this one hurts me too. So then he gets like dropped and Rick's like, no, but it's like slow motion. 
and Rick Prime, he like closes his eyes. It's like almost like in shame or something like that. There's a big green flash of energy. Uncle Slow, he starts getting like erased from different images. And Mori's like, kind of the worst time to use his powers. Just made his death happen slower. So Rick's like upset. You know, he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like really like hurt and upset. He's like, I'll kill you. Rick starts shooting. Prime just like dodges, manages to stop all the bullets, the kind of like, you know, Matrix, like Neo style. And he makes him enter his gun. So Rick bends the barrel of, of, of Prime's gun. It the shoot the shot backfires and shoots like the left side of his his face off, but then it heals up right away. So they end up in like a fist fight. Uh, Evil Morty joins in. Rick gets like injured, but then he hits this device in his leg. He gets like totally smashed, but his his like legs the only thing working, so it's like dragging his body. He, then he keeps going. Morty uh, grabbed half of or evil morty gets shot in the shoulder regular morty grabbed half of a, a prime bot and he's like he somehow managed to make it shoot to like help help them evil morty like hops on a drone that he hacked into rick gets his leg ripped off by prime so he hops around whatever he then he in return he rips off prime's right arm he attaches it to where his leg should have been they continue fighting uh, there's like wires like from this like open wound like on the wrist they, they kind of like almost like kind of join up and sort of it's like they're they're tied by the wrist now because their wires are tangled up they continue fighting rick v reveals like, a, like a, a torch on his left wrist you know his wrist like bends forward whatever prime opens his mouth and chainsaw pops out they continue fighting Evil Morty shoots at the, the giant Diane bots like that are like surrounding the, this platform thing. Um, he crashes down. Prime's body looks beaten. So it's like, wait, where's Rick? And then Prime stands up and, and then he hears, so uh, original grandson, this is super weird. Obviously, we're uh, both trying to kill each other. And Prime picks up a gun and you hear Morty's like, oh, geez, nice to meet you, I guess. So Rick's, or Rick um, Prime, he's like, so do we, should I just get this over with? Or, and then Morty shoots him in the head with his finger. It's like, wait, what? Prime starts getting like electrocuted. It's like sticking in his forehead. And he's like, oh, he's like, cool, grandson. And then evil, this is evil Morty, right? He's like, poopy grandpa. He takes an eye patch out, puts it on. So he obviously, he put a, a, another eye patch on regular Morty. He groans. He's like, oh, he's like, why am I wearing an eye patch? And, and wait, did, did we switch shirts? Evil Morty's like, yeah, thanks for the assist. And then Morty's like, Rick, we, we did it. Evil Morty got him. Rick, Rick. So it looks like Rip's in, Rick's intestines and like some wires are sticking out of it, like his, his gut. And Evil Morty zaps Prime again. And then he's, Evil Morty's like, all right, all right, you punk, stay here. And he drags Prime away. Prime is like attached to like, you know, he's in a chair. He's got like wire sticking out of his head, the finger still in his forehead. And so then Rick Prime's like, okay, I think I'm getting the pick. Ow! Morty just like, he has like a tablet and he hits something and it's like zapped him. A bunch of images pop up around Rick Prime. He's like, frying my backup, smart. So you're like an evil Morty, a clever one. Ah, ah, he gets zapped again. He's like, all right, never been a sidekick guy, but I'm starting to see the value. He's like, you want a job? You could be like Batman or Robin. And Evil Morty's like, eh, I don't need a Robin. And he zaps him again. He's like, okay, seriously. He's like, what is this? What are you going to, going to, ah, geez me to death? 
and then on the screen, the uh, the, the tablet, it's, it says schematics, booger, AIDS, V2. So Rick Prime's like, oh, you don't want to use those schematics, buddy. Those are for grownups. And Evil Moore's like, uh-huh. So then he leaves, and he drags in, like, the beat-up Rick. And Rick Prime's like, oh, isn't this great? Okay, all right. So Evil Morty jabs his body, like, with something and zaps him, like, kind of electrocutes him, whatever, like defibrillator. Uh, he groans and coughs himself awake, and he, he's still bloody. His guts and wires are sticking out. And he's like, what? Oh, spit. And Evil Moore's like, mm-hmm. He's like, knock yourself out. And he, like, walks out. Rick Prime's like, listen, Rick to Rick, he's got the weapon plans, buddy. Nip, nip this in the bud. He's 14. What's going to happen next time he gets mad at Grandpa? Rick's been, uh, like, unhooking wires as he's been talking, saying all this stuff. So then he just punches Prime in the face, and Prime, like, laughs. He's like, all right, let's do this then. Like, punch him three more times, like, right, left, right. And then Rick Prime's like, you're welcome, by the way. He's like, I made you. I showed you infinity. Bam, bam, bam. And wh what did you do with it? Bam. Hang out with, with my grandson. Raise echoes of my daughter. Bam, bam. He's like, ha, ha, ha. He's like, what's your life without me? Bam, bam. He's like, and then Rick's like, let's find out. And one, two, three, four. And Rick Prime's like, <laughs> I'm going to hurt my answers. He's like, admit it. You, you would have been me. Bam. I, I just walked into your garage before you walked into mine. Bam. But, but eventually you did. Bam, bam. You, you lived in my house. Then five more punches. So Prime's been like kind of laughing each time, but then his laughs have been getting weaker. And then a couple more. Uh, in the other room, Morty goes up to Evil Morty, who's like typing away at the like, computer console. He's like, what, what, what are you doing? The screen says he's ejecting a core. So then he grabs this little sphere, just like tosses it over the platform. Just like explosion starts walking away down this like, you know, walkway thing. And Morty's like, pretty cool visual. You're missing it. Evil Morty's like, we don't have to talk. This didn't make us friends. Rick walks out of the other room. The door opens up. He's like pretty much like almost completely covered in blood. And then Evil Morty's like, there's our guy. And Morty's like, Rick, is it over? Is, is he? And Evil Morty's like, not exactly. And a live amount of blood. How's it feel? Better? No? Exactly the same? Yeah, it always does. Hope you're happy with your choice. And Rick's like, bleep off. And Evil Morty's like, I'm gonna. Just don't force me to improve on the design. I can end the Rick experiment anytime I want. So Morty's like, why threaten? Why not just do it? And Evil Morty's like, because using a weapon like this doesn't get you left alone, Morty. Think I want a bunch of vengeful summers coming after me? And he's like, you are a little different, though, Rick. Maybe I can use that someday. He opens a portal. Seriously, though, bleep you. Don't come after me. It won't go well. And then, so he's gone. And Morty's like, are, are you okay? And Rick's like, yeah. And then Morty gives him a hug, despite the fact that he's covered in blood. It almost looked like he was going to, like, he wanted to hug him before, but then he's like, ew. So then he's like, phew, man, when those drones uncloaked back there, I was like, oh, spit. This is, and in his voice, his talk is, like, drowned out. Rick's, like, just starts, like, staring out, thinking. And then, uh, look Look on Down from the Bridge by Massey Star starts playing, and just like for the rest of the episode. So they fly back. Morty's still going on. They arrive at the garage. Morty goes inside. Uh, Rick must go down to the basement. He like turns off the power to, to his, his like basement lab thing. Then we see him, 
um, I'm sitting next to Summer on a couch. She's like talking, eating popcorn. Then he gets up, goes to the fridge, grabs a couple cans of soda or something, I'm assuming. He sees Beth, Jerry, and Space Beth like washing Space Beth's ship in a driveway. And Space Beth like squirts Jerry with the hose and squirts, squirts Beth. And then dinner with the family. Uh, Space Beth is there too. And it was like, did Rick make a joke or something like that? Because, you know, they kind of laugh. But then he's just kind of looking sad. So it's like, what's what's rick going to do now because you know the whole majority of time he's been driven by this this you know sense of revenge and now he's got no motive what's he going to do with his life so end credits over but then the, the final scene we see uncle slow's family sitting at a table like the wife and two kids one looks up there's like a family portrait over of, of the four of them and that sort of girl's like mama who's that man in our picture and she's like oh honey that's 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 your father. You don't remember your father? And she's like, oh, yeah. And then there's a montage of Slow's wife. She gets, like, tattooed. I, I forget what it said in her ha- hands. If it was, like, revenge or something. It said something. Then she's, like, working on a ship. She's going around with a picture of Slow. And, and she meets, like, this other alien at a pub. And then he ends up, you know, he, like, buys her a drink. And then he's sitting, like, in the living room, like, in another, you know, chair. And then, like, the kids are running, and they're, like, smiling. And then there's, like, two pictures on a, a table, like, Slow and his wife. And that's how it ends. So Uncle Slow's gone. She meets someone else. But, yeah, so I, I don't know what's going to happen with Rick now. So we'll, we'll have to see. But that was, uh, that was Rick and Morty. It's it it crazy. Like I said, they could have been season finale there. All right. Uh, now I want to talk about Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Uh, I'm just going to talk about the first issue. And I, de- I debated going to this, like, you know, should I do full-on recaps? Because if you've read the comic, if you watch the movie, you kind of know the story. So I almost feel like I shouldn't go, like, and then this person said this, and this person said that. Uh, it's the, uh, so I'm, I'm going to kind of try to skim through it and not, not hit every single bit. It has kind of like a video game style opening. I, I I do enjoy this. I'm looking forward to watching the rest of this. And again, they're all on Netflix, so you can watch the entire thing. Uh, so it kind of starts off with like a video game style opening. Then it kind of switches to like anime style, where you know you see different characters shown. There's like side swipes, you know, going you know whatever panel shots and everything like that. So I, I really like that. It starts off, you know, we see Scott like whimpering, walking through a desert. He falls to his knees. There's like someone coming up to him. It's Ramona Flowers, of course, on rollerblades. He's like, the girl of my dreams. And then, then she's like, time to wake up, dude. So he wakes up and then the screen, you know, just like in, in the comic, it's like Scott Pilgrim, 23 years old. He just woke up. And so he says he had that dream again. And then Wallace is like, I didn't care the first time you told me. I care even less now. And then the screen tells us, Wallace Wells, 25 years old, Scott's cool gay roommate. And Scott's like, uh, but she has cool hair and wheels. And Wallace's like, wow, you know, so specific. And he's like, when are you getting your own place? And Scott's like, isn't this my place? So this is a hard thing. I, I love the Scott Pilgrim comics, but Scott Pilgrim is such an unlikable character. So he's like, isn't this my place? <laughs> and he's like, no, I let you crash here one time and you never left. And he's like, that's not how I remember it. And then Wallace like, can't you at least get your own stuff? He's like, I have my own stuff. And then this is a screen show is like, you know, Wallace's couch, Wallace's lamp, Wallace's coffee table, Wallace. And, and then there's like piles, you know, some clothes on the floor. You know, it's got Scott's clothes or whatever. And he's like, you do not have stuff in the stuff. So then, and he even, uh, Wallace is making coffee. He's like, can I get some of that? He's like, some of my coffee. And, and then Scott just drinks it and leaves. We see 
that they're in Toronto, Canada, you know, not too long ago. He goes to band practice. You know, we are sex, but bomb. One, two, three, four. And then we see the other characters. We see Stephen, what's his name? Stephen Stills, guitar and vocals, 22 years old. Um, so, you know, fun fact, he lives here. There's uh, Kim Pines, plays drums, 23 years old. Fun fact, she used to date Scott. And sitting on a couch is nice. Chow, she's 17 years old. Fun fact, she's dating Scott. More on that later. Next to her playing like a handheld video game is young Neil, 20 years old. Fun facts. He also lives here. So Knives is like, oh, you might be the best band of all time. And Kim's like, we're not. So then uh, they're walking down the street. Scott, they're going to party. Scott's, uh, they ask him, he's like, why don't you bring your girlfriend to Julie's party? And he's like, she's not my, my girlfriend, whatever. And then they're like, but she's, then what is she? He's like, well, she means she's sort of my girlfriend. He's like, they're not really sure. So that's the thing. Scott's 23. He's dating a 17-year-old. Which is another reason. It's like, come on, dude. At the party, <laughs> like his friends, like they disappear or whatever. So Scott drinks, he pours like orange juice and soda, which I don't know. And then he sees Ramona and he's like, <gasps> and then the screen says the girl from his dreams, name unknown, age unknown, fun fact, she might be real. So he goes to stand next to her. And then they change this part because in the movie, I don't remember in the comic, but in the movie, he talks about Pac Man. He's like, hey, He's like, hi. He's like, you know Sonic the Hedgehog? You, you probably know this, but in the 90s, there were two different Sonic cartoons airing at the same time. One was dark and dramatic. The other was hilarious, you know, hilarious comedy about chili dogs. And the same guy played Sonic in both shows. Isn't that wild? The, the same guy playing two different versions of the same guy? And he's like, which I don't know if that's supposed to be like a joke. Michael Sarah, whatever. And he's like, maybe you didn't watch the, the cartoons or maybe you're not into chili dogs. And she's like, they're okay. She's like, I mostly watch older stuff when I was a kid. You know, Columbo reruns. And he's like, reruns, cool, got it. And he's like, are you real? And she's like, did you just ask me if I was real? He's like, uh, no, I was talking to someone else, bye. So he, then he's like catching his breath. And then uh, someone comes up, Julie Powers, this is her house, 23 years old. Fun fact, she thinks Scott sucks. So then she's like, why are you here? He's like, oh, I was a plus one. She's like, there are no plus ones. She's like, everyone here is someone that I invited personally. Then he's, he's like, so do you know a girl with hair like this? And he has a you know, drawing of just Ramona's hair. And she's like, Ramona Flowers? Ramona. And so Julie's like, she's from New York City. The Big Apple. She moved here after a bad breakup. She's single. She got a job delivering DVDs for Netflix. So they changed that in the movie. She was delivering packages for Amazon. And he's like, DVDs for Netflix. And Julie's like, I'm her only friend in town. She needs friends. And then she's like, I forbid you from dating her, Scott Pilgrim. Cool, thanks, bye, Julie. And he leaves. Then he's, he's at, back at Wallace. He's on a computer. He's trying to decide what movie to watch. He's going to rent a movie. And Wallace like, you know, how about something with a hot guy? So Scott searches hot guys, no search. He's like, I think we need a name of a hot guy. So Wallace like, uh, Lucas Lee, best chess in the business. So he goes through some, uh, and that's Chris Evans' character. So he rents one. Uh, you know, he clicks one or whatever, and then he sits and wait. And you know, Wallace is like, uh, "It's going to be a little bit." So you know, it seems I don't know how much time goes by, but it seems like days go by because you know it's like day, night, whatever, like that. Doorbell finally rings. Ramona's there, and she's like, uh, "Are you Wallace Wells?" He's like, "No, Wallace is my cool gay roommate. He lets me use his credit card." And she's like, "So like a sugar daddy situation?" And he's like, "Sugar what?" So she hands him his DVDs and she rolls. He's like, "Wait," and she's like, "Hmm." He's like, "Are you the person in my dreams?" And she's like, I thought we went over this already. He's like, so you are. Isn't that weird? And she's like, it's not weird at all. He's like, uh. She's like, there's just a convenient subspace highway running through your head. It, it's like 
you know, three miles in, in 15 seconds or something like that. He's like, I don't know what that is in kilometers because they're in, in Canada. He's like, space subways. I, I totally get it. Anyways, you want to go out sometimes? And she's like, you want to go on a date with me? He's like, oh, it doesn't have to be a date. It could be a low-key team-up, you know, Canada and U.S. Or... So they meet up later, uh, and she, they're walking. She's like, what's with the X? Because he's got an X-Men patch on his jacket. He's like, obviously, one of us went to Professor X's school for gifted, or maybe said Professor Xavier's, school for gifted youngsters, and one did not. And she's like, is that a Sonic thing? He's like, no, it isn't. And he's like, so why'd you move to Toronto? Just so you could go to Julie's party? And she's like, no. She's like, I got a job delivering DVDs for Netflix, and Gideon always said Toronto's one of the great cities. So, and Scott's like, is Gideon a boyfriend? She's like, he's a friend. So what do you do? And he's like, I'm between jobs. And she's like, well, between what and what? He's like, oh, I don't really want to you know, talk about it right now. And so they don't, they're not supposed to talk about the past, but it keeps coming up. So they just sit on the swings. Then someone's like watching on a bunch of screens. And he's like, bring me Matthew Patel. The game has begun. Obviously, it's Gideon. If, if you know, so then the storm starts picking up as they're, they're walking it, and uh, you know Scott's, you know, because he goes on about how he can handle cold and everything. He's like, I can't see you, and she's like, Relax, take my hand. She's like, There should be a door around here. So they go through a space door, and he's like, Whoa! They end up at her port apartment, and so you know, it's a space subway. So she makes him some tea. Scott's freezing. She's like, I'll get you a blanket, and you know, so he's like waiting and waiting, and then. He goes into her room to look for her, and she was, like, changing. You know, she has her shirt off, which is her bra. He's like, oh, sorry, because she's like, dude. And he, like, covers his eyes, and, he, and he's like, oh, that's better, whatever. And then when he opens his eyes, she's, like, right there, and they kiss. And then there's, like, sparks, like, video game sparks, and Scott sees him. And she, he's like, were you just going to grab a blanket from your bed? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, maybe we could get under it while it's on the bed since we're both cold. So there's more kissing. Then he's like, I'm not sure if I'm ready. So she like kind of rolls over and, and, you know, she's like, I changed my mind. And he's like, from what to what? She's like, I don't want to have sex with you, Pilgrim. Not right now. He's like, that, that's okay. That's cool. And she's like, well, I'm not going to send you home or in a snowstorm or anything. So, you know, she's going to let him, you know, sleep over. In that big TV room, Matthew Patel, Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. He's like, you sent for me? And then on the screen, we see Gideon Graves, leader of the League of Evil Exes. And he's like, I did. So Patel, he's like, oh, you know, thank you so much for creating the League. And you know, it's pretty high concept. Gideon's like, I didn't bring you here for flattery. He's like, things have taken a turn. It seems our dear Ramona has a new suitor. And he's like, my interns have compiled extensive research on the subject, Scott Pilgrim. They only went on one date, but Scott is currently sleeping in her bed. He's also currently dating a high schooler. Then he says that, you know, well, dating might be a strong word. He's like, our intel says that they've never kissed, but they did hold hands once. And he hasn't told Ramona yet. Uh, then Patel's like, fight experience? He, it's, he's been described as the best fighter in, in the province. So Patel's like, oh, I'm going to relish this, you know, victory over Scott's brutal death. And he's like, I'm going to kill him, then he'll be dead. <laughs> and then he's like, I hope Scott Pilgrim, or Gideon's like, I hope Scott Pilgrim enjoys the final few days of his precious little life, which is the name of the episode. Um, so Scott wakes up and Ramona's out there. She's brushing her teeth. And he's like, what time is it? She's like, it's not quite 8 a.m. She's like, I have to work, so you have to leave. He's like, hey, could this not be a one-night stand? Uh, for one thing, I'm not even sure it would count. So I, I'm assuming they didn't do anything. And she's like, oh, I'll consider it. And she's like, what do you have in mind? He's like, um, he's like well, my band has a show tonight. And she almost seems a little, she's like, you're in a band? And she's like, okay, I'll be, I'll be there. 
So Scott's walking down the street. His head's like glowing. Then he walks into Wallace. He's practically bragging. He's like, oh, I met the girl in my dreams. You're probably wondering how come I didn't come home last night. And, and Wallace's like, no. <laughs> and so he says that, you know, he spent the night with the girl in his dreams. Um, he doesn't get specific, but he also doesn't you know, say like that nothing happened. So Wallace's like, congrats. And then he's like, seriously, like, you need to break up with your fake high school girlfriend. And Scott's like, uh, do I have to? I mean, are we really even dating? And Wallace's like, Knives thinks you are, and Knives is an angel. You need to end it immediately. He's like, fine, I'll do it. He's like, good. By the way, there's a letter for you. So he reads it. Um, Dear Mr. Pilgrim, my name is Matthew Patel. I challenge you to a blah, 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 something about fighting, League of Evil Exes, and then he crumples it. More like League of Boring, so he doesn't really read it. Then it's like 834, Rockets, uh, the club where they're going to play. Um, Knives is there. She's in Oz, like, look into place. Wallace says hi to her and asks if she's met. And then we see Stacy Pilgrim, 19 years old. Fun fact, she's Scott's sister. So Knives says that she's so excited that she might pass out. And Wallace's like, oh, so no one delivered any crushing news today? And she's like, crushing news? What do you mean? Is like good or bad? Then she sees Scott. She calls out to him. And Scott kind of freaks out because he also sees Ramona, like, on the opposite side of the room. He's like, oh, I, I got to go. He runs out into like the back to like the dressing room. Then Kim asks Scott, she's like, why are you stressing? He's like, who's stressing? He's like, Stephen's stressing. He's like, of course I'm stressing. He's like, you know, the opening band, they, they just cancel. And the people, and I, they might cancel our show. People think we sucked and they won't like us. And so they go on stage um, as they're sitting there. Knives ask Ramona because uh, Julie's like in between them. She's like, are you a fan of sex, Bob-omb? And Ramona's like, uh, no, but I'm, I'm kind of seeing someone in the band. And Julie reacts. She's like, what? And Knives like, that's crazy. I am too. So Julie asks Ramona, she's like, who are you dating? She's about to answer, but then we're psyched with mom. One, two, three, four. So they start playing. So the band plays. Knives is like, oh, she passes out. And then there's a big crash. So Matthew Patel comes flying in. Scott like blocks his punch and he does a reversal. And he's like, wait, hold on. Who are you and why exactly are we fighting? Uh, Patel's like, uh, aren't you Scott Pilgrim? And he's like, depends. Who's asking? So he introduced himself very flashy way. He's Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. And Ramona's like, uh, and Scott's like, cool. And you're here because and he's like, didn't you read my letter? Scott's like, kind of is like, he's like, I hand delivered it during a blizzard. And Scott's like, uh, remind me what it said exactly. He's like, it said Ramona flowers has seven evil exes, each more powerful than the last, all of whom you must defeat in order to date her. It was a very detailed letter. And Scott like looks over at Ramona and he's like, you knew about this? And she's like, right, yeah, uh, I, I heard about it. I s sort of thought it was a joke. And then he's like, and you really dated this guy? She's like, yeah, in middle school, there's a flashback. We see, like, young Ramona smoking. And she's like, it was football season, and for some reason, all the little jocks wanted me. Matthew Patel was the only non-white, non-jock boy in school, maybe the only one for miles around. So we joined forces and took them all out. Uh, nothing could beat Matthew's mystical powers combined with my brute strength. And back in the present, she's like, we only kissed once and we were quits after something like a week and a half. He didn't even get truly evil until high school. And by that time, he lived far, far away. And Scott's like, mystical powers? Unfair. And Patel's like, all is fair in love and... And Scott's like, war? I think it's war. Then announcer, you know, Scott Pilgrim versus Matthew Patel, round one. So they, they charge each other, dodge, whatever. Um, then there's like a big hit, something like that. Smoke, and then like it's like two gold coins and a silver coin just are on the ground. And Patel's like, I won? And then and Scott's gone, so did he die? And Ramona just like stares down at the three coins. And that's the end of the first episode.
See? Cliffhanger. Scott Pilgrim's dead. He's, he died in the first episode. And we have no idea. We have to wait till next week. You have to wait till next week unless you have Netflix and you go and watch it. But um, that's all we have to say about it. So I like it. And again, the animation is just so... It looks like the comics. It's so slick. Um, I love the effects and the colors. And um, they, they did a good job with it. So uh, I'm excited to, to watch more. So I will definitely be talking about more of that. Okay, then I just want to talk super briefly about the killer. So, I'm, I'm sadly, I'm un, I was underwhelmed by this. It's David Fincher, and you know, I I really I, I love his movies. You know, he's he's done some really really good stuff. Uh, you know, we 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 have Michael Fassbender in here who, who's he's good, but I I just I think I just wanted more. So I don't know if my 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 hopes were too high and I just felt like I was kind of let down. So what's interesting about this is this is uh, based off a of French graphic novel and Archaea actually put it out. I thought I had a copy of it. I could be wrong. Maybe I, I might have some, some single issue. Actually, I don't even know if I would have the single issues if I left them behind at, at comic vine, but I thought I had a hardcover because I remember one time Archaea just, they, they gave me like so many hardcovers because they're, they're such cool guys running it. Archaea ended up um, getting bought or joint, I think they were bought by boom studios. So they kind of, you know, fell under the same umbrella. And, um, yes, I don't really remember much how the comic compares to this. And I, I was hoping I had a book cause I was going to read it before watching, but I don't think I have it. And then it was just, it was like too late. So the, the, obviously the killer, he, he's, a, he's like a hitman. It, the, the movie, the, the, the problems with it is it's kind of slow in the beginning, but I think that's intentional. Okay, so uh, take two. Uh, I was recording, and then I, I looked at my, my recorder, and uh, memory card full. So I, uh, I, I lost a little bit. Thankfully, not, not, not too much. So I, I got to remember what I was saying about this. The, the movie, the, the problem with the movie, I, I would think, is it felt like it kind of dragged down a little bit, especially towards the beginning. And I feel like that was probably intentional because in the beginning, you know, they, they and, and I, I did appreciate this to a certain degree. You know, in, in the beginning, it, it really kind of illustrates the fact that, you know, he's this killer. He's, he's, he's in Paris. I don't remember if I said that already. He's in Paris. He's in this uh, abandoned like office building or whatever being remodeled. And he's across the street from this this hotel, and his target is like in a penthouse floor, and and you know he's got this view. But a lot of his job is the patients, just just waiting for the, that that perfect shot, the perfect moment, because you know he probably has his getaway plan, you know, has everything figured out, so he knows you know he's, he pulls the trigger, go out this way, boom, 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 then you know you make it clear, because you you don't just want to do it in the middle of busy you know street where there's so many people and someone can grab you or whatever. So there's a lot of him just just sitting there, and he's just, it's like very minimal. You know, he like does some yoga. He's got his food, and and he's got like a timer where he gets you know does little little bouts of sleep. I wasn't really clear like how much sleep he was getting, but it, it felt like it was it was probably like that whatever twenty minutes twenty. I don't I don't even know. And you know, he does listen to music, which is interesting the way he did. He listened to a lot of Smith's music, and what I what I like about how they edited this is 
you know, they, they would play, the, the music would be loud, some, you know, whatever Smith song playing, and then he would make some comment about something, you know, he's in the middle of a dialogue, and then the music would kind of like mute, and then he would say his thing, and then it would cut to the music again, then he would say something. So it was kind of like this, this back and forth, and, and I don't know, there's something about the way it was, is it's, it's a little jarring, whatever, but I, I kind of like that, it was, it just really like emphasized the music that was like a big deal to him, like getting through and, and all that. So anyways, needless to say, or needless to say, but uh, something goes wrong. The, the, the job doesn't go quite as planned. So it's, it's, it's a little botch and it was a unfortunate thing. You know, he had everything planned out, but you know, there's just some things that you kind of can't account for. So I, I won't go into specifics of what, but you know, he has to, he has to get out of there and you know, he makes his escape. And it, it's, uh, it's really interesting seeing that because I don't know if we, how often we see the detail of this, but you know, he makes his way out of there. And there's a lot, you know, you, you think about, okay, uh, actually, I, backing up, I should say, because I don't remember if I, if I talked about this or not. But one of the things that was a little off-putting is, I think I may have said this already. I just don't know if it just got deleted or not, or not recorded. But he, he also mentions how, he doesn't care what you've done. You know, he's like, if you're on my site, you know, if some, someone came and, and paid, if, if they can, it was kind of like, if they can afford to pay him, that's all, all that matters. Which seems, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's a killer. So, you know, he, they're throughout some morals or scruples or whatever, but you get someone like John Wick where, you know, I, I don't think he would kill, you know, he, he would turn down jobs if he didn't feel it was Okay. You know, like, I don't think he's going to go and kill an innocent, like, school child just because someone's paying him. So, I, I, I don't know. With, with the kill, you don't really get that. But he's just kind of cold and, and just, like, mechanical. Like, boom, that, that, that's the job. But what I like is when he's, you know, making his, his escape. And you can kind of see where the money part comes in. Because there's lots of things. You know, he's, re- he's wearing a helmet. You know, he goes off on a bike. And, you know, at one point he goes somewhere. He, like, just throws the helmet away. He does this and does, you know. Because all that stuff is disposable. And, you know, there's so many times where he's, you know, someone calls his contact, calls him on a phone, destroys the phone. How many phones is he going through? I don't know. And when he goes to the airport, I don't know if it's if it's a matter of being cautious or paranoid. But at some point, it felt like, you know, he, he saw something. He, he, he got like the feeling like someone's following him or there's like someone like kind of suspicious, like, who is this dude that keeps popping up? So then he just goes and he bails on his flight. He goes to like another airline, he takes another flight somewhere else. He has so many different identities lined up and that's got to cost money too, you know, cause he has to create all the document for these, these different, you know, identities, names and have like a background and all that. But then it was like, okay, I do, I'm getting a bad feeling off this. This one's boom, done. I'm just throwing that, that identity away. I'm going to go for next one. So he, then he, he goes uh, to probably one of his safe houses. I don't even know. I know, can't imagine how many he would have, but he's in Dominican Republic. And when he gets to the gate, he, uh, Something sets him off. I forget what it was, but I don't know if he, he I think he might have seen like some cigarette butts, like someone and just like some like boot prints. So he he again his his instincts, he's just kind of paranoid as it is, because this job went down. And because the job didn't 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 go down, there's gonna be some repercussions. You know, he's he's gotta figure out he's gotta tone for that somehow. But you know, the the job was supposed to be guaranteed, and because the person didn't get killed you know they're going to be like on super high alert now if they weren't already but it's i would think it would be like okay you got to keep doing it. this didn't happen maybe you try the next day or the next week but it's like you're not done until 
your the job's done. You know, you don't have to be like like oh, I tried and this happened, this unfortunate thing, whatever. Oh well, sorry. You know, because he took the money. I'm assuming, or maybe you know he only took the upfront. I I don't know. So he, he he gets home and he he gets his vibe like someone must have been there. So he like hops the gate. He walks up to the house and he sees you know there's like music playing and then he sees like some blood and like a broken window. And, you know, so like someone was there, and then he ends up finding or he finds like his girlfriend there and you know she's like he rushes her to hospital and, and all that. So what it came down to is because he botched the job and and maybe it took him longer to get home or maybe they were just like waiting. I, I don't know like what the time frame was. And I don't know if I just wasn't like paying attention if I was because I was, I was kind of like having to do something, you know, pause the movie, run out, had to do something. And but I, I don't think I, I was like not paying attention. And, you know, maybe it just doesn't matter. But so he he must not got there right away, whether it was like a couple days or if it was a couple hours you know, they went to whether they, and I don't know if they were looking for him to, to say, Hey, you screwed this up. Or if it was just payback against you know, whoever's there that we're going to do that. But then also it's like the fact is like, well, if you have these other people on your payroll to go down there and do this, you know, maybe that the target was just so, you know, high security that those people couldn't get there. But he think his place would be, I mean, it was just in Dominican Republic. It's like, uh, you know, big estate or whatever, often you know, away from the, the city and, and that. And then with the movie just becomes like a revenge movie. So he, he finds out who did it, you know, thankfully the girlfriend, you know, survives, you know, after she, she gained, regains consciousness and that, and uh, she's like, I didn't say anything, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, I didn't tell me, I didn't tell him about you and all that. So he wants revenge and he, he's able to track some things down. And, and that's, that's what it comes down to. So it's like, it's different than like John Wick because John Wick, he was out of the game and, you know, he, he, they, what, they, they came after him because he didn't want to do a job type of thing where here he screwed up, but it's like, are you even going to give him time to, to make up for that? So it just seems weird. And then he's, you know, just going after all these people and, you know, it is cool how he does. He goes to different locations, how he gets information and everything like that. And you see how just how he handles things and how he does stuff. So, with his he narrates. You know, Michael Fassbender narrates throughout this, and you know he's he's got a very like calm voice, and and I think that does help to you know make the the movie a little more intriguing. You know, just the way he's he's doing things. He's just like so matter of fact and talking about that. And he's not like the perfect killing machine. You know, it, 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 it he's not John. They're not like trying to do this is John Wick. And and again, this came out. The comic was out before John Wick. You know, was, was released. But they're not just trying to mimic that where you know, his, his expertise and we don't know to full extent. Like, I don't know how it seems like John Wick is an expert at everything. You know, he can do hand to hand. He can fight with a knife. He can fight with a gun. He can fight with with a, a probably like a photograph. If you, you know, slice. Him. I don't know. You know, it seems like John Wick can do everything. But the killer, you know, there's one point where he has to do a hand to hand combat. And, and he, he does he does a decent job, but he's going up against a, a big dude. And you know he 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 gets a he gets pretty roughed up, but you know, obviously he must survive, right? Because it would be weird if uh, suddenly he dies, you know, three fourths of the way through the movie and all that. So overall, I mean, it was it was a fine movie. I just I felt like I don't know, the motive seemed a little like eh, and and yeah I get it, but and and the thing is it's like if you're a killer if you you're gonna do this, yeah you you can't get close to people. 
you know, you're, you're putting people's lives at risk. And and then, you know, people, you might be saying, well, hey, Tony, you love John Wick, the John Wick movie so much. Isn't it the same thing? Not really, because John was out of the game. He he got out of there. You know, he set that up. You know, he did this big, crazy job in order to get out. You know, he wanted to live a life with his wife. You know, he just, he was done. Where Michael Fassbender, obviously, you know, he's got this girlfriend or whatever. He's still in the job. And even, you know, it doesn't matter how many identities and how many different planes and stuff like that. He's still putting her life at risk because obviously they found that place so easily. So it's, 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 a, it's a little, mm, I, I don't know. And then, you know, without giving away the end, uh, when he reaches the final level, you know, whatever you want to, you want to call it, the way he handles things, this, this is where I, I would want to talk spoilers because, you know, I, I, have, I have thoughts, I have questions on this. And, and you know, because there's, there's not that many ways you can handle it. But, you know, he, he, he does make a decision to do something. You know, I'm not saying, should he kill this person? Should he not kill this person? You know, whatever. But so what he does decide to do, does that fall in line with who he is? Uh, and, you know, is and do we want to what kind of person do we want to root for is, is you know, I'm, so I'm, I'm purposely trying to be vague here. So the decision he makes, it, you, you know, you, you go through this this whole story of him, you know, taking out everyone that, that was involved with this. I don't know. Um, I mean, <laughs> hit me up on social media, or whatever, if, if you have thoughts about this, because I'm just like, yeah, I, I have some things to say, but I just, I don't want to give that away in case you are going to watch a movie. I don't like spoiling the movies because I, I feel these movies, not, not that the TV shows should be spoiled, but I think, I feel like that's, you're, you're coming into it knowing that. So the killer, it, I mean, it was a decent movie. I just, I really wanted more, and um, I don't think my, ex, I had too high of expectations. I just wish I don't know, I don't know what I want. I, I don't, I don't want just another John Wick copy. And, and again, this came up before John Wick. You know, the, the comic was out before, but it was just, hmm. So it, it was interesting, and uh, would I want a sequel? I mean, I, I would be down for a sequel because you know I, I did like a lot, lot, a lot of the elements of the movie. I just would want a little bit stronger storyline. You know, a little, little better motive. But at the same point, you know, if if he's just a killer, he's just a professional. You know, what what you, I don't just want to see a movie of him just taking on jobs because that's not going to be interesting. So I I don't I don't know like if it were up to me, I don't know what I would do and it's not up to me i don't get paid to make those decisions but it, it it's a decent movie i i think it's worth worth watching and i i do think it's interesting to like tilda swinton is like you know build as being in this and uh she doesn't have a humongous role in the movie and you know she doesn't even show up till like later but you know she's a she's a she's an interesting actress and uh um i will say in the scene she's drinking some whiskey look it up this whiskey was like it's, I think it's like like four or five thousand dollars a bottle, a bottle, and I'm just like, mmm. I like a good whiskey or everyone's rare, you know. Rare, but dang, because like, I I think there's like cause, you know, we're looking up online. I think there's like someone's like seven thousand dollars for a bottle, seven thousand. Because I I think the brand 
<laughs> I forgot the name of it, but I think they 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 shut down like years ago. So it might be a matter of it is super limited, you know, supply. It's not being made anymore. So yeah, it's if there's any bottles that are left, it's going to be a crazy price. That's the killer, <laughs> and an expensive whiskey. And now the movie feature is The Hunger Games, the ballad of songbirds and snakes. So this is uh, the fourth, three, four, fifth, fifth Hunger Games movie, right? Because there's three books, four movies. So this is a fifth movie. And it's a prequel. It's a uh, you know it's based off a of novel. So, you know same same author was it what's her name Suzanne Collins right is that, is that her name yeah so I I did listen to the audiobook I mentioned I mentioned that earlier and uh it's for me the biggest problem when I first heard that they're doing a prequel book because I I did enjoy the Hunger Games movies I mean I I thought that those were really really well done and everything like that really cool you know everything about it and my my daughter got really into the movies so you know there's there's that there's kind of that nostalgia thing you know watching those movies with her and and uh, I did listen to the audiobooks for those, and and you know they they did a good job, and it, I I really liked the the world that they set up, and you know even though it's like a post apocalyptic you know what dystopian future, what it all adds up, blah blah blah. We've seen a million that you know so many times, but I I do like the way they handled everything, and then uh, just just to seeing you know the different districts and just the elements, and and you know as as the movies go on, seeing how everything's laid out and, and then like, wait, there's another district and what happened? You know, they, there's obliterated. And, and I, I was so fascinated with like, how is this, how are the districts mapped out on the world? You know, like, cause we don't fully see like, here's a United States map or here's a world map. Here's how the, the continents or territories have been you know, re redrawn or redistributed or whatever. So I just, I, I like all those, those little details and, and stuff like that. And so now we, we're going back. We got a prequel. So I'm like, okay, that that's cool, you know, because we it's always interesting to see things from the beginning or, or closer to being or earlier time how things get started. But the the strangest thing that I had when I first heard about, you know, I'm all all down for all that. It's like, okay, fine. Sometimes you know, doing a prequel seems kind of like a cash grab. It's like, okay, we've told the story, we've ended things here. So it doesn't really make sense to continue to go beyond. Let's go back and and say how it started. And and there is something also interesting and neat where it's like you know where things are going, but it's like wait, you thought you knew the whole story. How did you get from here to here? How'd you get from point A to point B? We know what happens at B, but what happens in between there? So that's what this is about. But what was just so bizarre is that this is about friggin' President Snow. So if you watched, uh, you know, Donald Sutherland, amazing job. You know, he was despicable. And it's just all the the, the, the fat cats, the top cat, whatever, you know, these people in the, the district, they're all just despicable. You know, they're utter just, ugh, because they didn't care about anything. Just the, the idea is like, yeah, let's, let's send these children into this Hunger Games tournament for our enjoy because it wasn't about teaching a lesson or doing this or whatever it was you know they're all sitting in their fancy clothes having their fancy drinks and stuff like that watching and betting and just doing whatever it's like they these they're not even they're they're, they're like they're sub sub creatures sub humans or what they're they they have no concern they have no problem sending these these children out and it, it's just the way they're they're selecting it's just like random it's like okay we're gonna take two kids from each district doesn't matter. Imagine if it was your kid. Like, no, you wouldn't want that. So it's just, it's just so disgusting, and and I, it's just bleh. 
I keep saying the word despicable because that's that's what it is. And and you know we saw just like the the cold whatever how you know President Snow just handled everything, and now we're supposed to see a movie that focuses on young him. It's like oh boo hoo I don't care. It's like oh you had some struggles growing up. You know you had you weren't didn't have necessarily a life of entitlement. Oh it's so sad because you know you're gonna grow up and do all these horrible things, and and then it's like wait what. It's a love story with President Snow. That's gross. You know, nothing against Donald Sutherland, but is a gross character. I don't want to see young President Snow in love with someone like whatever. It's like, oh, is he gonna get your heart broken? I hope so because you suck. You're such a jerk. <laughs> but as you watch the movie, it's like it starts off it's like he, he's not really a bad guy, or he's not that bad of a guy. You know, he seems you know he's, he's caring for his his, his nana nan nan pam whatever I forgot what her name was. His you know, and he's got his his uh his cousin, and you know he's he's struggling to make ends meet. You know, he's working his butt off at school, and you know he's going after this this prize. You know, for the, like the top student and everything, and because you know he wants he wants to bring back the glory because with the wars and stuff like that, you know, they, the the family lost some of its fortune. They're almost out of money, and they're struggling struggling to get by so it's like oh maybe he's not that bad of a person but then then you're like well what the heck happened how does he go from this this semi-decent person to utter you know satan (laughs) and and then so what it comes down to oh to make things worse which is like haha you you see him in school you know peter dinklage's character just does not like him now the the problem one not really problem but a problem with the movie is it's not. I don't feel like it. It was super clear why he hated Cornelius so much, and uh, it is something that that's mentioned. I maybe I don't think they really hint on it. I mean, I mean, maybe you can kind of figure it out because you know his the uh, Cornelius knew he or Peter Dinklage's character knew his his dad so there's you know obviously some tension is like what is this like professor snape where you know he he's mad at harry potter's parents so he's taking it out on the on the kid it's kind of like that but you know you do find out more in the, in the book about why and uh what they decide to do is these these students you know they're about to graduate or whatever it's like oh you have to be a mentor to the the kids from the hunger Games. so you have to get in there and then that's where uh our, our character he meets Lucy Gray played by Rachel Zegler and she's just she's just a singer you know she basically hangs out in district 12 she's not really from district 12 but you know she has her her little little her cubby and they just perform around there and she got selected and there's reasons whatever so he's supposed to protect her she's not like tough or brutal you know she's not really a fighter she's a performer she's a singer and how is is she supposed to survive this? The other thing that's, that's I I find it's really interesting because this is like way early in the Hunger Games history. They don't have all this the super fancy high tech you know technology high tech technology doesn't make sense for the the arena. When you see the arena, you see it in the previous. It's just like a big room, like a big like arena. There there's there's no no trees and grass or bushes to hide behind. It's it's just this this big empty arena with you know stuff happens to help out to kind of help out the 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 contestants but it's it's just weird how it's just so different and you know things really really change technology really does get upgraded and uh 
we also start seeing this is like the beginning where okay we're it's going to be televised and because like the concern is that people are kind of losing interest in the hunger games which as they should and uh, so it's like well maybe you know we should start doing you know endorsing or you know donations and you know gifts for for the the, the kids and, and all that and this is where part of it is like okay you need to try to sell the person you know and we we see this with katniss you know it's trying to make her marketable type of thing so you know you get those elements but the thing is what, what's interesting about about this movie in the book is it's not just about the hunger games i mean it, it kind of goes beyond you know, just the Hunger Games. You see, part it almost feels like you. Know, I think the the movie. I don't remember about the book, but I think it's like broken into like three different parts. The movie is like two hours. I think it's two hours and forty minutes. I could could be wrong about that. And uh, it. I don't feel it. Didn't really feel like it dragged. It did. It kind of felt like it was long, but in a good way. And and you know, for me, I I like that. You know, you're gonna pay your your. 13 15 whatever bucks uh, to watch a movie you want to get your money's worth and if you're really like interested in the characters you know you want it to last you don't want it to be like an hour and a half boom done and then it's like okay now what especially with this there may not be anything more to this you know this the, the, it was just a single book there's no plans to write another book there's no plans supposedly for another movies you know there there we could see more in between you know and we could like focus on we can on on what Hamus or whatever we can see him when he first fought you know we could see a younger version of him you know there there's definitely room there's opportunity things that they could do between this time period and what we had before but there's no plans for that. So it's like you you want this to last because when you go back, they do such a good job creating this world. And, you know, just with with all the just the environments and the sceneries and the, the wardrobe and just all, all that. So, you know, it does feel like you're you're back there. And, you know, we we came back, even though it's an earlier time period and what we're used to. So, you know, you, you want to see all that. And, you know, you don't want it just to, to be over right away. So when you, you see the movie, it's it's kind of like like wow, you know this it's it's not over yet. There's there's now we're seeing this now we're now we're going into this part of the story, and so I, I think it was really cool the, the way they they handled all that. Uh, I but then like looking at some people say that it was long and boring, and, and I'm like, how is this like long and boring? You know, there's there's actually like character development. There's stories with the characters, and it's not just about this. You know, it's not just action action whatever. You know, there there's other things going on. Uh, the, 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 speaking of action, there are some parts that it gets a little gruesome. It's not like over the top gruesomeness or anything like that, but I, I feel like you should, it, it, it has to be, I mean, the, this is a brutal concept that, you know, the, and it shouldn't just be like, Oh no, darn someone, you know, they, they're dead, you know, and you see it off camera, there should be some, some stuff seen. And it, but like I said, it's not like overly gruesome detailed, you know, you, some stuff it does happen, you know, like the camera turns or something like that, but you know what, what's going on. And I, I think that that's important. I also think it's it's nice seeing like the, the politics of the world and how things shape and with the capital and with the different elements and, you know, just how, you know, let, let, changing the, the Hunger Games, trying to, you know, make it more marketable and all that. So I found all that stuff fascinating and, and, and cool to, to see that. And just even seeing parts of like, we don't see a whole lot of it, but at the capital, you know, just where where snow you know was living and everything and how they were affected by the war before that and everything and so i i i really enjoyed the movie overall i thought i thought they did a good job and that the acting was good you know this this guy made me care uh about you know a young president snow um was it, was it uh tom bluth was he that him and uh 
you know, just, just everyone, you know, Viola Davis, her character was, was something, uh, you know, say that. And, you know, Peter Dinklage, you don't care for the character, but you're not supposed to. So, you know, he, he, he plays that role. Just, it, it's, it's a, another like, ugh, but he, he does a good job with that. And, uh, you know, Rachel Zegler, I, I don't really, um, have much invested in her, her what horse in a race or whatever was it called? Yeah, you know, I, I I'm trying to think like what else I've seen her in. She was in Shazam, right? And uh, I don't know if I've I, I'm probably have seen her other stuff. I don't know, but she did a good job. I mean, she I didn't realize that you know she was actually a singer, and I'm I'm sure other people are like, what? How could you not know that? But like I said, it's just you know I'm I'm not um, I I don't even know. oh she was in West Side. See, I didn't watch West Side Story, and uh, but but she did a good job, you know, singing and and doing all that. So it's a. Uh, it it does, uh, but I I think overall it it for, at least for me it kind of left me with like a sort of like a weird feeling, at you know at the end it it's kind of like you know when when you watch this it's like I don't really know how I feel about that and I I part of it is a mix of this is a movie about President Snow you know young President Snow and I don't just I don't know how I feel about him as as a character and obviously you know, unless it's going to happen later, you know, you, you could probably guess or assume, well, something must happen to make him start going down a dark path. Does it happen here? Or does it happen later in the life? So that that's, if you haven't read the book or seen a movie, that's one of the things that, you know, you, you have to wait and see, but obviously he has to be pushed in that direction. So what does that mean? The, does that mean, does, is it a love story and he falls for uh, Lucy Gray and then she dies in the hunger games and then he comes bitter and does it, or does something else happen? So you again, you're gonna have to watch and and find out, but it's just a, uh, I I it was just really I, I enjoyed the movie and you know I I've loved the other movies, and I I just I, I'm so glad that we got to see another one even though you know it's not Katniss and and Pita and you know but that's just how how it is, so I think you should see it and yeah I think it's worth seeing on a big screen you know it's it's a high production movie I would say and. Uh, you know, they would they spend uh, 130 million. Um, how is it going to do at the box office? I think they're saying it's uh, going to be like f- maybe 50 million, like that. So that doesn't seem that that great. Uh, but you know, people are saying, what what did Captain Marvel do? I think it was 42 million. People are like, oh, it's a flopper and all that. I still think, I mean, at least with this, the the stars got to do some promotion of it. You know, they, they got to do that. I think they even got like some permission to do, th- to start promoting it before the strikes were fully finalized. I don't know how, how that works, but you know, I, I do think with Captain Marvel that, you know, it would have been nice if the actors could have promoted it more. And cause I, I do think that they, they, they do a big part in selling the movies. So with this, um, it's just, I don't understand, you know, it's, it's at a, I don't know if it, I thought it was higher than a 60%, but it's not doing that great on Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience score is higher than that. Yeah. So this things keep shifting. Cause it, it was, um, it, I thought it was like at a 62 or 63. Then it was like a 60. Now it's, a, it's at a 61% as I look at this, the audience score. So it's, it's, a, so the critics is at a 61% based off 163 reviews. The audience score is at a 90% based off of 250 plus verified ratings. So the audience likes it. Uh, you know, or those who, who bothered to, you know, do some sort of review. Uh, looking at uh, the critics thing, 
See, I, so here's a vulture said, uh, some critics view, let's see, reported that some critics viewed 158 spectacles as an overwrought snooze fest, while others argue that Ballad is the most satisfying entry in an entire franchise. Wait, so uh, what did, did they not, would they have multiple reviews? I don't understand what, what that, that means. Um, NME, what the heck is that? They characterized the initial critical response as largely negative, knowing that the film had been criticized as lacking in the excitement and drama promised by the trailer. It's like, what? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked it. Um, IndieWire named the film both the best young adult dystopian film and by far the strongest installment in the Hunger Games film series, describing it as a rare prequel that managed to stand on its own two feet and still feel taller than the other stories it's ultimately meant to support. Um, Brian Truitt of USA Today, he praised it as an enticing blend of dystopian action epic and musical drama that surpasses the previous films. And then uh, The Guardian didn't like it. I liked it. So... You judge for yourself, and you know if you care, and you don't have to have had watched the uh, the other Hunger Game movies to watch this one. But obviously, it does help. So yeah, it does stand on its own, and I, I think it's worth seeing. So um, that is my thoughts. And uh, if you see it, let me know how what what you thought because I, I thought it was was cool. And um, with that, uh, it, it's cool that you made it this far into the podcast because that is going to be the podcast for this week. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I'm probably going to do another Hidden Years yeah, I haven't really thought. I got to think about what if I'm going to do something else, and uh, I'm open to suggestions with that. Um, sometimes I talk about movies. Sometimes I talk about uh, comic topics. Just go off, not necessarily rant. But maybe it is a kind of a rant, so you can hear about that. But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com/slash/gmanfromheck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That's ko-fi.com/slash/gmanfromheck. What is going to be uh, next week? So this week um, in the United States is Thanksgiving week. Uh, so Napoleon opens this week. I'm sure it's going to be good. Actually, the early reviews aren't super great, I think. I could be wrong about that. You know, Joaquin Phoenix is good. But you know me. What's what's my big problems? The old-timey stuff. Uh, I, it's not that I don't like history, but sometimes I'm just like, mm. I, I don't know if it's just a matter of like, okay, am, am I back in school? Am I being you know educated on, on this? It is interesting to see it, but I, I, I think the problem I have with, with stuff like this is like, how accurate is this? So I'm watching this, I'm going to you know potentially watch this story of Napoleon. Is this all accurate? Have things been dramatized, sensationalized, you know, whatever, just to make a movie? And, and, you know, how much is, because a lot of the, the problem where, you know, people like me who don't want to study the books or have time to study the books, you may watch this and you're like, oh, is this everything? You know, was Oppenheimer totally accurate? Is that historical? You know, but it's like, well, maybe things are changed or things are flipped around. And so I, I don't know. I mean, I know it's going to be a well-made film and what superbly acted. 
I don't know if I'm going to see that because the other option, <laughs> and I can't believe I'm even considering this. There's so there's that Thanksgiving movie, which is basically a Thanksgiving slasher movie is what it comes down to. I don't even think there's anyone in there that I know. Uh, but last I checked, it was at an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is crazy because critics don't usually like those type of movies. Uh, unless it's just, you know, what 86% of what critics, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't just like, like five, you know, critics reviewed it that when, when I last checked it, there was a, I forget how many, but it was a, it was a, a bigger number, bigger than five. You know, there, there's a decent, cause at first I was like, wait, 86%, this is two people reviewed it. And, but it's like, no, it was a lot more. So I might see that. I'll have to see. Um, I don't, I don't know. And then I'll probably do, you know, more Scott Pilgrim. I don't recall. I don't think anything else is. Oh, I'm gonna try to do some Monarch, the the Godzilla. So now it's a matter of, do I have time to watch two episodes and do that, or am I going to be like just so behind? We'll figure it out. Um, you know, hopefully you're just you're fine with rolling with with the whatever and not the punches, but just you know we'll, we'll get through things eventually. So if you are celebrating Thanksgiving, if you acknowledge Thanksgiving or, you know, it's, it's not so much about what, what it represents. I, I, to me, I look at it as being, yes, being thankful, not necessarily the historical aspect of it, but just being thankful and spending time with, with family, loved ones, friends or whoever, and, uh, and, and eating some really good food. And, you know, I don't eat turkey myself, but, uh, corn does a really amazing turkey loaf. Oh, I crave it. I, I would get all the time if, if my local grocery store sold it. They stopped selling it all the time. And I think I could go across town to another place if I want to get it. And the times I do occasionally, they don't have it. But anyways, the important thing is, you know, spend time with your family. And, uh, you know, just ap- appreciate that, you know, they may get on your nerves. But, you know, be, be thankful they're there. So I hope hope you have a good time. I hope you have people to celebrate with. Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you have things to be thankful for. You know, I, I may look at it sometimes like, what do I have to be thankful for? But, you know, there, there, we have more to be thankful for than we really realize or, or, you know, are aware of. So just, you know, take care of yourself and remember, be good to each other.